This episode of the Foul Language Podcast is brought to you by Dubby Energy, the clean energy drink scientifically formulated to give you laser focus to tackle the day without those nasty jitters or a bad crash afterwards. Use promo code FOUL44, that is F-O-U-L-4-4, at checkout to receive 10% off your total order. Cut out that nasty sugar and start drinking Dubby Energy today. Back to another absolutely banger. Amazing, fantastic, wonderful, beautiful episode of the Foul Language Podcast. My name is Austin Stanley. I am your host of this stupid-ass show. We appreciate you all coming back to listen to all of us all the time ramble on about mostly pointless shit. But if you are like us, this pointless shit is extremely, extremely important to you. We talk about sports here. We talk about life. We talk about food a lot. For some reason, I don't know why we talk about food a lot. We talk about a lot of different stuff. Booty. A lot of booty. A lot of booty. That, the guy that you just heard there, wasn't actually supposed to be here. Um, but I just asked my mom. Thankfully, exactly. <laughs> thankfully, he made it back in time, made it through the blizzard. Tell us a little bit about how your week went. This is Alex. Dude, I, I had a... Wild wake, man. We got stranded in New Mexico for I don't know how many hours. I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of go off on that in a little bit later. We got a rant coming up, but it's been a wild week. I didn't think I was gonna be here, but you know, by the grace of God and these big old balls, I got here. Well, I told you earlier in the week when you know it was maybe you weren't gonna make it in time. There was going to be repercussions. Who do you think that you are talking shit about this podcast? Oh, I I say nothing but great things about this podcast. I love this show. I love everything about it. I love your dumbass and your dumbass and your dumbass and that dumbass up in D.C. I love all of you. I love every fucking one of you, especially the guy to your right. Tell us a little bit about that guy right there. What do you think about him? He... Has a fantastic beard, long hair, looks great in shorts. Fantastic. His name is Corey. Have you seen me in shorts? I haven't, but I, I can imagine. I just assume, yeah. I'll take it. No, no varicose veins. You know, I picture just the right amount of hair. Just not so smooth that, that it, you know, you're worried about you being underage, but, you know, the right amount of smooth. He actually has a lightning bolt shaved into his pubic mound. <laughs> I'm going to get him to shave an A for Alex. There, there you go. I can pull some strings for that. Oh, yeah. Speaking of A, I give this guy over here to my left an A+. This is only his second time on the show, but this is going to be a voice that you're going to remember. Once again, I'm going to introduce you as the former number one overall Heavyweight? Light heavyweight. Light heavyweight fighter. Sorry, sorry. Light heavyweight. I'll get it eventually. Former number one overall light heavyweight fighter in the South. Amateur fighter. In the, you know, I'm going I'm to start this over. <laughs> Coming in at my left, the former number one overall light heavyweight amateur fighter in the Southwest. Southeast. South. God. <laughs> this is game <laughs> Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. We're so glad you're back, Gage, uh, bringing in some new equipment. You you kill it with the Christmas gifts, you know? Well, you know, uh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. 
I think we're all getting used to. It's been it's been a minute. It's been a minute. We we didn't know if this show was going to happen, uh, but thankfully it did. I know this next guy. He's going to have a lot to say in this intro. Um, he also almost didn't make it. This dude's busy up there, you know, defending drunkards, things like that. Snapping necks and cashing checks. Whatever it is he does up there. This is the attorney at law, Mr. Matthew Chapman. Well, what's going on, everybody? Happy to be here. Uh, just reiterating what everyone else has said. I had no idea if I was going to make it or not. Uh, super busy around the holidays, but I'm glad to be here. Uh, and I've got a few special things uh, coming in this podcast, a few interesting things. Before we do any of that, I do want to take a quick second, because uh, we are recording this as the injury just happened to Damar Hamlin, and everyone that knows this knows that I, I lead the All Things Buffalo segment, so it, it wouldn't be right if I didn't take a second just to acknowledge Damar Hamlin and just want to send him as much good energy and good vibes and hopes and prayers as possible and truly just hope he's okay. But I know he will be okay, and everyone is going to love this podcast, and you're in for a good one. We all here at Foul Language would like to agree with that statement. We hope everything is good in that situation. It's It makes, you, it makes you sick when you see it's these awful. guys get hurt like this. It makes you realize it's just a game. Yep. You know? well, we all love it so much, but. You could see it on on their faces on TV, man, and it's awful. It's a bad it's a bad feeling, but you know, let's get away from the sadness for a minute. And let's let's carry on into into this episode. I had a whole segment. I was going to talk some major shit about you not being here, so I'm glad you're here once again because it would have been bad. I'm I'm glad to be here. I'm I'm glad to be here. I love you guys. I love this podcast. I got got. A, Great group of guys, group of group of guys, great group of guys. Man, we are screwing up the, the language here today. You know, foul language, true that. Well, they do say English is the hardest language. Yes, it is. It's true. Did you, did you take Spanish? <laughs> yeah, I took three years of Spanish. Uh, I'm not fluent by any means, but I can speak a little bit. Yeah. What is Papa's Fritas? Yeah, like I said, a little bit. <laughs> I don't know if that means anything. Oh, you just it, it means the cat oh, has yeah, my heart. Oh, yeah, Miss clear. Wait, wait, hold on. We're missing a, a, a very important element. Our very own Matthew Chapman is engaged to a Latina. Is that correct? Yes, she okay. is Bolivian. So what, what does that mean? What did I just say? You said the cat has my heart. Actually, no, wait, say it again. You said Pedro, right? P-E-R-R-O. Yeah, yeah, dog. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, okay. dog. The dog okay. has my heart. Well, okay. Since you know that, what is Papa's Fritas in Matthew? French fries? I, I know what Papa's Fritas French is. Fries. I, I eat Papa's Fritas all the time. What about, how do you say chili? You know what? Like, like, uh, like what? Two-thirds of the world speaks Spanish, and we can't. It's pretty sad. Yeah, we can't even put a full sentence together. You know what we can do, though? Something we have done very well up to this point. Is we've got a new partnership, W Energy. We are extremely excited to be partnering with W Energy, the clean energy drink that doesn't give you the jitters or the crash like other energy drinks do. This stuff is legit, guys. This stuff is very good. It is fantastic. It doesn't give you it doesn't give you all the you know the the bad feelings and the crash that you get from normal canned energy. All the sugar, too much sugar. That's right. 
energy drinks. It's right? sugar free, gluten free. It's fantastic. Go out and try it and use code FAL44 for 10% off your first order at W Energy. Hold on, hold on, hold on. <laughs> All right, guys. So I want to talk. I want to start this episode off by talking a little bit about life. You guys are about to get into a very, very serious conversation, and I would like to know exactly. You were talking about your sperm and something with Michael Phelps. You were talking about red dye. I would like to know where this was going. Oh, you know, you got. I mean, you got to take care of yourself, and you got to take care of your sperm. I mean. I get to see my sperm enough. I mean, it's just me, you know, looking at it. You but, you ejacking in that freight liner all the time. <laughs> well, it runs out of diesel sometimes, and and our guys, our guys swim strong enough that we can propel an eighty thousand pound. You know, machine. we have a very strong track record with our sperm. Yeah. Obviously, you've seen how how bad E40 is. Where's I think it's a red dye 40, I think is what it's called. E40 is a red Red dye 40 is horrible for you. Uh, I was actually doing some reading on it earlier, and me and my wife was talking about it. It causes hyperactivity in children. The only reason red red dyes in things is to make them more appealing it doesn't actually affect the taste of anything you just it makes it look better so you want to eat it well you it's, know speak yeah yeah it, i guarantee it does in that vein uh, our cousin shout out crystal gross uh she actually works at a private school and they uh, limit what foods the kids are allowed to have and she said it made a huge difference in the way they behave like uh, you know our cousin landon her yeah. grandson a whole other person, apparently. How much of that do you think is like ADD, ADHD, hyperactivity in kids, different things like that? How much do you think of that? Because if you go back like years ago, you didn't hear about that. I mean, there's always been hyperactive kids, but do you think that is something we're giving to our kids just in everything and it's causing them to be more hyperactive? So then they're diagnosing them with these things, they're medicating. And I mean, that's, that's a real issue. And it, it kind of makes you wonder too, all the different things we ingest into our bodies. We've talked about it before. The difference in the size of these kids. Oh yeah. And even in high school, like from, even from the time you six years older than me was in school, people your age were massive. Yeah. And, and you can look now, kids that are juniors, seniors in high school are the size that I was in the sixth grade. Yeah, I think it would be really cool to get somebody on here, like a nutritionist, somebody that can really tell us about this stuff. Because, you know, having kids, you're having kids and, and, and you got people on. You, you, let me start over. We're going to get this down, okay? You got kids and you're trying to give them the right things and everything, but we don't have any clue what we're eating. Well, you know, somebody, what's going into our bodies? We got a couple guys here, Matthew. I'll start with you. Tell me a little bit about your diet, because I know you eat very clean most of the time. So break down what you look for to keep yourself healthy in your diet. Yeah. So every single day, um, on top of coffee, which you know, there's there's arguments to be made about good and bad for you for that. But um, every single day, I start out with drinking at least three full glasses of water every single day every morning just to kind of get the you know that that is one of the most important things you can have in your body is water as basic and simple as that sounds um, so that's that's a morning regimen i do every day uh and then on top of that I, 
I subscribe to the theory that six small meals is better than three big meals. Um, so I try, I try to do six smaller meals a day of um, the most important macros being, you know, fat, uh, contrary to what a lot of people think, um, protein and carbohydrates. Uh, and then I always allow myself one day a week, you know, to kind of do whatever I want and eat whatever I want. But as soon as it hits midnight on that one day a week, I'm pretty strict. I turn it off and it's back to chicken and vegetables again. I've, I've been on the Xbox before. We've been playing Madden or whatever, fucking dominating some mutt, I'm sure. And Matthew will be like, oh, my God, 30 more minutes and I get to eat my pizza. He orders a pizza for his cheat meal and it, he gets it delivered at midnight every yep. Sunday. And he's still every sitting Sunday. there playing and he's like, like playing mud or whatever he's like hold on my pizza just got here i'm about to devour this shit that that leads to uh, a philosophical question does pineapple go on pizza yes. absolutely oh, oh, hold on. okay austin pineapple one okay let me give you let me give you this really quick yes pineapple goes on pizza but it doesn't go with ham pineapple and jalapeno best pizza delivery sweet little yep. spice gauge uh, I agree with uh, what Austin said. However, I will add, I like banana peppers. Oh, yeah. Banana absolutely. Peppers Most of those are great. But, and yes, pineapple goes on people. P pizza. But let me. <laughs> pineapple people. But here's mine. Uh, so pizza sauce, barbecue sauce, salami, and pineapple. Okay. Oh. That's about you, Matthew? Pineapple pizza? Yeah. Yeah, man. One of the best pizzas I've ever had was pineapple, jalapenos, and bacon. It's it's fantastic. You get the sweet, the spicy, and the crunch. It's, Fan it's fantastic. Oh, my God. It sounds so good. Yeah, and I'll, I'll even go a step further. When I was in Bolivia visiting uh, Carol's family, I had what they considered to be a routine pizza. Like when you order a pizza, like this is what goes on it. They don't do like pepperoni and everything like we do here. Their basic pizza was white sauce. Uh, French fries and corn. What? Wow. Yep. Okay. Yep. That's wild. Yep. That sounds very uh, wild. Wrapping this up, I would like to say that pineapple on pizza is a lot like eating ass. It's not for everybody, but the people who <laughs> but the people who do it are a little bit more sophisticated. Absolutely. One hundred percent. I do both. Just <laughs> known, I do both. While we're talking about food, I'm bringing in a new little small segment here for everybody. And I would like to go around the table here and then journey up to D.C. Gabe, I'll start with you. Say just in a, in a different world, you're some kind of crazed mass murderer or something. You end up on death row, right? What is your final meal? Ooh, that's a good question. I'm probably going to go with a chimichanga. Just one chimichanga. I'm not eating until I get sick. If I'm okay. gonna die, I want to puke on everybody. Well, like give me from, give me the details. Like from patio. Oh yeah, chicken chimichanga. Give, give me the patio. Give me the full details. I want to know. I want to know everything you're eating and drinking in this last meal. Probably gonna have uh, probably a chicken chimichanga with a ground beef chimichanga as well. Cover that thing with some cheese, guacamole. Yeah. You know, some extra queso because you got like yeah they got the. the the case, and they got the, the American cheese on there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, probably going to down that with some Sprite. I know it's a simple soft drink. You can't beat Sprite. Sprite's unbeatable. Like, Corey, Sprite what would crispy? It is. It's McDonald's Sprite, especially, is extremely crispy. Corey, what would your final meal be? Uh, I would go all out, you know, so much that I can't hold it anymore. But I think I would uh, go with, like, my favorite – 
sauce in general or any condiments, barbecue sauce. And I love ribs, so I'd probably get like, we'll just say a weird number, like 11 full slabs of ribs, like a lobster tail, all that good stuff. But I would say beer, but I kind of want my wits about me. I don't want to be up there crying. Like, I'm filling up too quick on it. I'm getting shit faced. I'm getting root beer. Root beer. Alex? Yeah, well, I'm going to throw a little bit of my useless knowledge out there. John Wayne Gacy, the serial killer, his last meal was two buckets of KFC. Uh, I think it was original. Maybe it was crispy. And I could get like like a, like a dozen strawberries. Chocolate covered. Well, there were chocolate yeah, covered. Right? I guess the real question is, did he figure out that secret blend before he died? The 11 secret herbs and spices? If he if if he was eating the crispy chicken, then he himself became crispy chicken after they got done. That's true. Stuff. That's true. Matthew, what would your final meal be? Pizza. <laughs> no question about it. And pineapple pizza. Yeah, I am a I'm a pizza fanatic so much that I keep ratings on my phone of everywhere that I've tried. Um. So yeah, I'm I'm going pizza. And you know what? Angry Italian. Let's just oh, throw God. it out. Angry Italian. Oh, so good. Two things I want to say. One, I'd like to throw in some uh, barbecue. I love barbecue. Oh, yeah. And two, nobody's talked desserts. We don't have any desserts on our final meal. Oh, y'all haven't asked me my final meal yet. Well, I'm going to let y'all know right now. I think something around 10 double doubles from In and Out. Oh, God, In and Out. 10 double doubles with Pals fries. Maybe like three or four of their large fries for sure. That's going to be my appetizer. My, the, the, second, the second part of my meal is going to, and if we're going worldwide here from anywhere that I've ever eaten, it's some of those enchiladas. Uh, what's the name of the restaurant in El Paso that we eat at when we're out there? I can't remember the name of it. If I, I'll figure it out. Tacos Chinampa. Tacos Chinampa. Their enchilada sauce is unbelievable. So I would have about six of those for the second part of my meal. Then then comes the dessert. My grandmother, shout out Sal, makes this orange juice cake. It's like orange dreamsicle cake. It's one of the best desserts I've ever had in my life. So give me a full one of those, double stack, a gallon of milk, and I'm with you. Give me, give me about a 12-pack of Sprite. And then yes. we'll talk about what I want for my second meal. <laughs> if you're not going to die from the the that's that's kind of the hopes. I, at that point, I'm just going to eat myself to death. Yeah, I think I'm going to have a six pack of C fours while I'm at it. You know, just go, <laughs> just just go out the <laughs> back. <laughs> what is, I can't remember if it was on a movie or if this is uh, real life. There was someone that had like a pee. For their final meal, like a single pea, and they were slicing it. Was it an olive? I had an olive. I can't remember which killer it was. He had an olive with a pit in it in hopes that when he died, a tree would grow out of his decomposing body. There was also a serial killer that, what was it, two gallons of butter pecan ice cream or something like that? Yeah, that sounds right. I can't remember. I, I, we could do a whole show on serial killers. And you know, what with embalming, that seemed kind of short sighted, but I guess if you're a serial killer, you probably. That's We're true. thinking too far ahead anyway. Have you seen yeah. those caskets? It's, it's a, for lack of a better word, it's a casket, but it's like a organic pod, and a tree actually grows out of you. 
like from your body when you're when that's you're how we get haunted for us alex that's exactly right yeah Speaking of that, we need to do a whole show on spooky stuff because i i could come in you know we could go off on this like that haunted forest in japan where all those people commit suicide i mean Shout out, was it logan, one of the paul, paul brothers logan paul went out there recorded that, that was, we are never going to make that mistake here no Mike. never that's never. just very disrespectful shout out to the paul brothers though whatever you think about them no matter you got to admit those guys have some tenacity they know how to make money they've got it figured out gage we'll get around to your ufc segment in a minute but i that brought a question up to me what do you think about jake paul as a boxer honestly you know there's some questions on whether some of the fights are rigged uh i personally don't think anderson silva would ever have taken a you know a, a fall but i mean i've watched a few of his fights the guy's got skills you know and he's got the time the training, the money to put into it. Where I think, honestly, he's not by any means a world caliber boxer, but I do think he's probably low caliber professional at this point. Okay. Yeah, I, I haven't really watched a whole. Uh, we, I watched one. Well, I think the Tyron Woodley fight. Whenever he, it was Tyron Woodley, wasn't it that he fought? I watched that one. I, I mean. I've kind of got to the point at the beginning where I was like, all right, this dude's just doing this for the clout. But after seeing the highlights and everything, I'm like, this dude can actually kind of box. Like, he's actually – he knows what he's doing out there. Well, let's just say he is an athlete. He did wrestle in high school. I don't know if he wrestled in college and all, but I know he wrestled in high school. I think he won the state championship maybe. Uh, Ohio, right? They're from Ohio. I think somewhere around Cleveland because he just uh, – he was the – Whatever you want to call it, the grand marshal of the of the Browns game this past weekend, which we will get to eventually. But Corey, I believe you've come back, all you beautiful people, to part two of episode seven. Can you guys believe we've already done seven episodes? It's hard to believe. Feels good though. It feels good. I, I I really I want to say again how much I appreciate all you listeners out there for coming back and supporting us. We, we really do appreciate it, and we are only going to get better from here on out. But I would like to start off the beginning of the very long sports segment that we got coming up with a little bit of help from Matthew. And I would like to start off by saying rest in peace to the GOAT, Pele, the only person to ever win three FIFA Cup championships. Matthew, talk a little bit about Pele and what he meant to the sport of football. Sure. So I'm, I'm going to start this off by – introducing him as his real name and how he got the nickname Pele. His real name is Edson Nascimento, born in 1940. He's Portuguese, which, yes, he is Brazilian, but the language of people in Brazil is, you know, some people might get that confused and say it's Brazil, it's Brazilian. Their language is Portuguese. So growing up and playing soccer his entire life, literally since he could walk, um, a common a uh, verb that Portuguese people say when they kick or when they want the ball to come to them is pay, P-E. And he was so good that he literally took over the verb pay to kick. And as more people caught on, instead of being called Edson, he was called pay, pay, pay. And then over time, um, people just added the lay as kind of like a... Uh, it's a it's a nickname. A lot of uh, Hispanic communities they call people by nicknames, not their real name. Um, speaking firsthand uh, with Carol and everything, so that's kind of how he developed Pele. Um, and he actually uh, 
he not only did he win three, but he played in four World Cups. A lot of people don't know that. He lost the first one uh, when he was 14, excuse me, 13. Actually, hold on. Let me get my numbers right. That is insanity. Yeah, that's unbelievable. Hold on. Let me get my, my math right here. Yep, he lost his first one at 13 years old when Brazil lost to Uruguay when they played the World Cup at home in Brazil. The country went crazy when he lost the first one, and at 13 years old, he said, I'm going to win a World Cup for you. And four years later, at 17, he won the first one in Sweden. And then he did it again in 62. And then he did it again. Eight years later in 1970. Can you imagine for a second being 13 years old playing in the World Cup for your country and the weight of the country? Now, let's talk about this for a second. World Cup is a national sport, okay? It's not like American football where it's one state battling another. You've got the weight of an entire country resting on your shoulders as a 13-year-old, and you're man enough to say, I lost that game Give me four more years and I will come back and win you another. And he did. And he did again. And then he did again. That is, to me, you, you're arguably the GOAT of all sports there. Um, I, I don't, I think the only person in comparison is maybe Tom Brady to that. It's, it's an incredible achievement. Um, not only to do it at, at the age that he was doing it at, but to do it three times again, I mean, it's obviously the greatest of, in the sport. I mean, and rest in peace, Pele. We we lost an absolute legend, Matthew. But tell us a little bit about Messi's new contract. He, I know he he's going to play Saudi ball. Is that what's going on? So uh, that's Ronaldo, actually. Cristiano Ronaldo has signed with Al Nazir, I believe is how you pronounce it. And he's going to be playing in Saudi Arabia, out of all places. I'm going to hit up those live golf guys, go out there and play a couple rounds with them. <laughs> I want live to sign me onto a contract. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Rest in peace, Pele. Lost an absolute legend. Uh, good vibes to his family and everyone in the in the soccer world. Moving on from soccer, we had some absolutely insane college football playoff games this weekend. TCU and Georgia move on to play one week from tonight in the national championship. Alex, give us give us a rundown. You know, I, I talked for a long, long time about how good Michigan was and they were the best team in the country. But this this TCU team is surprising everybody. The Cinderella story, right? I mean, this is what we this is what we watch the sport for. You want to see a team like this come in? You got you got to hand it to the to this team. They're so well coached. They. They do everything that you're supposed to do. Sonny Dykes in his first did you, first season? Are you yeah. kidding me? It's unreal. It's it is fantastic to watch. It's exciting. I, I didn't give them much of a chance against Michigan, and they come out ready to play in this game. I mean, they they were firing on all cylinders, and that's a sign of a very good coached football team. I mean, you see Nick Saban coach teams, Kirby Smart, you know. Uh, on and on these guys they come out from an extended extended time away from the game they're always prepared they don't lose focus and this tc i mean these horn frogs man they are they are ready to go and these two games though these were as exciting 
of playoff games in college football that we've had since this has been since this format has been, you know, since its inception. This was these two games. I mean, I was on the edge of my seat, man. The, these things were wild. Who's who's the best quarterback in this game? I'll I'll give you the matchup here. You had Max Dugan, who I thought played incredible, um, fourteen of twenty nine, two hundred and twenty five yards, two touchdowns. Did throw the two interceptions, and then JJ McCarthy on the other side of the field, twenty of thirty four. 343 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Who's the best quarterback here? It seems to me like the moment got a little bit too big for McCarthy. I, I would agree with that. Um, I think we've seen what Max Dugan can do. We've seen him progress throughout this year and, and the football player that he's grown into. I think as of right now, he is playing the best football at the quarterback position. And this is saying something because you look at what C.J. Stroud and Stetson Bennett done in this other game. There's some really good quarterbacks in the in these, in these last four teams. But Max Dugan is is the man. I mean, this is the guy that you want with the ball in his hands when the game's on the line. And this, you know, jumping forward a little bit to, to this Georgia TCU game, Man, I think it's going to come down to the quarterbacks. I, agree. I, I really do. And and at this point, yes, Georgia is the as the is the more talented team. And if you look top to bottom of that roster, yeah, they got five stars. They got NFL talent everywhere where TCU doesn't. But TCU's got the heart. They've got they they believe, and right. that that goes so far into whether you win or lose in these things. Whether you believe you belong, and they belong here. Absolutely. And, and you got you got to. You got to hand it to them, man. They they were playing fantastic football right now. Well, Matthew TCU pulls off the largest upset in college football playoff history to this point. I know it hasn't been very long run, but this is an impressive game. I know there was definitely some controversial officiating in this game, and it seems to be becoming more of a problem. The more football I watch this year, these Raven squads are just not good. They are oh. not good. No, and let's let's get some objective standards going on here. You know, it's the same way that we've we've talked about this in the NFL. We've talked about this um, in football in general. We need an objective standard for when to call something and in what situations. There's only so many scenarios that can happen in football. You know, it's not the the unlimited world of um, anything beyond football. Like we are in a contained space of research, so to speak, and objective standards is not going to be that hard to get. And I, for one, implore uh, the NCAA and the NFL, for that matter, to uh, go into looking for these objective standards so that we can have fair officiating, and especially in big time games like we saw this past weekend. I agree. Uh, I agree completely with what Matthew said. It it this is a for I mean it's its own world here and like Matthew said the rules are are black and white they're laid out before us and especially in the NFL everything it is shouldn't be left up to chance it, it's black and white it is what it is and I agree with what Matthew said but I would like to say one thing did Noah Ruggles, I believe that's how you said his last name, was that the worst game-winning field goal attempt in the history of football? Was that the worst field goal attempt you ever saw? Yeah, I don't – I don't – I don't – how can you – I don't get it. Like, 
it was terrible. I don't, I don't understand it. And then, and we're going to get around to that game in just a second. I want to talk about a couple more people here on this TCU team. You know the name Quentin Johnston yet? Because if you don't, you better learn it. This dude is a massive. <laughs> the wide receiver for TCU. He went six receptions for 163 yards and a touchdown in this game. He's massive. He's got the size. He's got the hands. He's got the speed. Everything you look for in a wide receiver. This guy looks great in shorts. Looks fantastic in shorts. Big hands looks great in shorts, just like Josh Allen. Uh, but this is this is the guy that you're going to want to keep your eye on. Um, Corey, did you see the where they almost called the targeting at the the very the, like the very last play of the game? Do you do you think that should have been targeting? Do you think that was a missed call there? Yeah. Uh... I do, yeah, it was a missed call. Just that's it. Did you, did, you get, did you get to see it? I, I did, but that goes along with what Matthew said. There has to be a standard that, that that this is is or isn't. You have to meet these specific, you know, rules. They're actually leaving uh, out of the stadium here in Cincinnati due to this injury. Again, we wish this this is horrible. We wish we wish the best here, uh, but um, it's we're all a little distracted here, but. Um, but going going back to that, you know, if you if you leave that up to chance, if it's always up to the referees to call that or whoever the box officials or whatever, I mean, as long as there's a human element to it, there's always going to be room for interpretation, and that's that's what we're touchdown catch made by Roman Wilson that was called considered not a touchdown. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you go down on the goal line across the plane, that's a touchdown, right? Yeah, the only thing that needs to cross the plane is the tip of the football, not even the whole football, not even the person. Just – and the fact that that was overturned, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not – gonna be one to wave into conspiracies or any conspiracies or anything like that but that was the point differential that was the spread that you were just talking about earlier was there more than meets the eye i don't know but that was clearly a touchdown the only argument that could be made against that and this is where we're talking about that you know, there's no objective black and white standards that needs to be. We're asking these refs to have an argument amongst themselves on the field in front of thousands of people and then render a decision. But the only thing is that there's an argument that could have been made that his left knee might have been down. But the thing was, is even if it was down, it appeared to come up right when he caught the ball, thus making him falling into the end zone touchdown. That's the way I saw it, but apparently the refs didn't see it. And it's sad that we're even having conversations about that's how I saw it versus how I saw it when it should be. This is what the rule says, touchdown. Right. Well, ultimately, in the end, Michigan turning the ball over three times, you know, and their inability to score in the red zone kind of did more damage to them than, you know, the officiating crew did in the long run. Uh, we're going to get around to Georgia and Ohio State, the Peach Bowl, in just a second. Alex has some news, actually. Um, yes, actually, the NFL, Roger Goodell just released a statement. Um, I'll read it to you. It says, tonight's Buffalo Bills-Cincinnati Bengals game has been postponed after Buffalo Bills' DeMar Hamlin collapsed. Hamlin received immediate medical attention on the field by team and independent medical staff and local paramedics. He was then transported to a local hospital where he is in critical condition. 
So our our thoughts and prayers go out to the Marhamlin family. This is this is not something. Doesn't matter what sport. Doesn't matter which team you pull for. It doesn't matter. This is a sport. These are people's lives, and this is a young man who's 24 years old and. This is just, this is heartbreaking to see. Absolutely, we will keep up with the news on that as it comes out during the show. Um, getting back around to the college football for a second, let's move on to this Georgia and Ohio State Peach Bowl. Which guys, it was it was a banger. It was a hell of a game. I'll start this off again by saying, "Fuck Ohio State." Fuck Ohio State. Every they time. Squeak their way I mean, the fuck us. Oh, yeah, the fuck us. <laughs> Last week it was fuck Tennessee. Congratulations, Gage. Tennessee handled Clemson in that bowl game. They were obviously the better team. So congratulations for your bowl win. Thank you. I'll take all of it. <laughs> You're welcome. We're not here to talk about Tennessee, though. We're here to talk about Georgia. No way. We're always here to talk about Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Georgia edges out the Ohio State Buckeyes to make their second straight college football playoff title game. And they did it by overcoming a 14-point fourth-quarter deficit. And can I just say something real quick about Ohio State? All right, in, in general, Buckeyes, okay? Why do they make a children's candy out of a nut that's – that's poisonous to eat. Does anybody ever question that? That's, that's a very good point. That's, that is a very good point. Buckeyes are delicious, though. They are, unless They're you eat the delicious. actual nut, which I have a Buckeye tree next to my house. So uh, Next to the haunted house? Anyways, get back to by the haunted house. So, I mean, this was an unbelievable performance by both quarterbacks on each side of the field here, Alex. Um, talk a little bit about um, – what this means to Kirby Smart's legacy is—is is this guy? I mean, do you, you start to consider Kirby Smart one of the best in football, or maybe in college football of all time? Absolutely, we've talked about it before that this is a recruiting juggernaut as far as college football is concerned, and what he's able to do—the recruits that he's able to bring in year in and year out—and keep this team a perennial national championship contender it, it, it's phenomenal what what he's able to do hats off to Stetson Bennett um I mean it, both quarterbacks in this game played fantastically I don't want to take that score is a very high scoring game oh it was it was it was an exciting game and I hate to bring it down to the kicker like that but that that kick was fucking horrible man I mean yeah, I actually made similar kicks I believe in Madden a few times <laughs> Your whole life is boiling down to this kick. And, you, I mean, if it bounces off the upright or you miss it by – but this dude, like, this gets off – like, this gets some dude carrying a beer in the yeah. stand yeah. off of the 40-yard line. Like, but going back to the quarterbacks here, I mean, Stetson Bennett, he keeps finding ways to win games. And he's, like, 40 years old. He's wisdom. He's, he's full of wisdom. He's full of everything. You know, this, this dude, he went 23-34, uh, and 34, 398 yards, three touchdowns, and an interception. That then, on the other side of the other side of the field, C.J. Stroud, 23-34, 348, and four touchdowns. These two quarterbacks dueled it out. It was a fantastic game to watch. Well, my, my question for you here, um, and, Corey, you can answer this one. Who gets drafted first? Who's the earlier draft pick? And are people are people going to really want to take a chance on a 20 – probably at the time, Stetson Bennett will probably be 26 years old coming into this draft. He's an old fuck. So, who, 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 who – <laughs> 
He's younger than me. Who do you like earlier in the draft here? Who's your favorite quarterback prospect out of this game? I think Bennett's going to fall lower. So, I, I, honestly, I think Bennett's like a fourth rounder, third rounder somewhere. Well, Matt, Matt, I have talking. questions about whether or not Stetson Bennett can actually be an NFL quarterback. He's great in college. I mean, he's great this year, and he was great last year. But I have I have my doubts about it. I agree, Matthew. Where, where do you see this ending up at? Which quarterback do you like better? If you're trying, if you if you're looking for your franchise guy, like several teams will be in the draft this year. Where do you value CJ Stroud? And with Bryce Young announcing, you know, he's entering the draft this year. So, where are your quarterback prospects? setting that right now I've, I've got a couple different theories here and i'll i'll tell you what i i have cj stroud uh, in the exact same scenario i had justin fields in college i was not a justin fields believer until his bowl game where he threw like six touchdowns after that massive hit he took i'm in the exact same position with cj stroud i was not a cj stroud believer until this bowl game the dude can ball we'll see if it translates over to the nfl but as far as pure talent I think I've got C.J. Stroud as my top quarterback off the board, but I'll tell you, I've got an honorable mention here with one condition. If Max Dugan has decided that he wants to go pro, I honestly am not aware if he's declared. Does anyone know if he's declared for the draft or not? As of right now, I've not heard anything. Okay. Well, if if he does declare, I have him as my top prospect coming off the board so long as he learns to slide he is a running quarterback that will nail you with his shoulder he's got to get down yeah if unless you're josh allen you're six foot six that's not gonna happen i have him as my number one Uh, i i don't know how i feel about bryce young yet the dude is small honestly and that's not that is not a slight to him whatsoever it's just the fact that when you're in so the NFL yeah so was but Drew Bryce Young doesn't have the arm strength he that doesn't. Even Tua has no. and Tua that's the biggest knock on Tua is is the arm strength right? yeah. that, that well, before we get off of this game a couple more highlights out of this one um you know Marvin Harrison Jr leaves the game in the third quarter after an absolutely massive hit by Javon Bullard which was not targeting it, it was, was originally called targeting but it was overturned that, that's the point that's the point that is black and white there was no helmet to helmet contact there it was a shoulder it was a clean hit he done what a db is supposed to do in that situation dislodge the receiver from the ball and that's what he done no head contact but but marv jr still didn't return to the game he he, and he had a concussion and that tells you how easy it is to get these head injuries right, right. so Just the, the, the brutal impact of that hit was enough even if it was a helmet to helmet contact you got to think though Corey, that Everybody in the state of Ohio, including C.J. Stroud and Marvin Harrison Jr., you got to think that dude's enough of a game changer. Had he not, he he may have changed that game completely. Yeah, that's that's completely possible because that's their number one anything on the offense. So right, and I mean, up to that point where he left the game, he already had five receptions for 106 yards and two touchdowns. He's one of the most dynamic players in the country he he's the best wide receiver 
that I've seen play in college football in a very probably since DeAndre Hopkins. No. It's unbelievable. But you know, on the Georgia side of the ball, you talked about Stetson Bennett's uh, stats. You know, he. I want to make this mention because this is something that's crazy. He had nine receivers with positive yards in this game. He spread the ball around. So he he's got. I feel like being twenty six years old, he should be mature. He should be able to develop that maturity, and I think he's definitely got there. But, you know, Arian Smith, where did this guy come from? He ha- He's kind of been quiet all year. It comes out in this game, three receptions, 129 yards and a touchdown. You know, it's important. But Georgia doesn't really seem like they have their playmakers as much. I mean, George Pickens is unbelievable. So losing him is huge. George uh, is just a very well-rounded football team. Does that come back to Kirby Smart? Comes, That's where yes. Kirby Smart is Matthew – where do you put Kirby Smart and in, in the top coaches in in the in the nation right now? There's there's no argument that he is either one or two. You know, obviously we all know Nick Saban is number one. You know, we'll, we'll give him that. But Smart's up there. He he's if if you, there was if you put Nick Saban in a category by himself, I think we can all agree that. And then you're talking about who is the one, two, and three after that. Kirby Smart's definitely there, no question. Before we get around to the rest of our college football talk in this episode, is Georgia going to defend their title? Yes, Georgia Georgia wins this game. I'm going with the underdog. Go Toads! Honestly, I'm pulling for Georgia just because, you know, SEC, but I wouldn't hate it if TCU won, but I'm going to say Georgia's going to take it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going TCU. I just, you know – we see Georgia's a powerhouse here and you're out now. I want to see something different. Go Toads. I agree. I'm rolling with the Red Rocket. Give me that Hypno Toad, baby. Corey, you going to say something? Go Toads. <laughs> Go. All right. You, you all have disappointed me yet again. Okay. And I'm going to come in hard on this motherfucker right here. Too fucking lame. Stunned USC today, baby. Are you kidding? Did they really? They come back and won. They erased a hold on. They erased a fifteen point deficit to come back and beat USC forty six to forty five. And none of you all have anything to say about it. You're riding, you're riding that green wave, man. That green wave, man. I am a Tulane fan from way back, I, from like two weeks ago. <laughs> Tulane is amazing. Okay, this team is so well coached. Are they going to be here next year? They're here to stay, man. They are here to stay. They ain't going nowhere. We're out in our baby blue uniforms. We are we're, we're riding a green wave. What the hell's a green wave? Does anybody know? Can you tell me what a green wave is? I, I mean, I know what a red tide is, but I don't know what a green wave is. I'm fairly certain it's something you avoid when you're at the beach. Exactly. I, I think that's something that happens at Myrtle Beach. <laughs> <laughs> don't eat the oysters when the foam's yellow. Don't go out in the red tide, but ride that green wave, baby. That's what I'm telling go you. Go to Lane. Ride it. Bold prediction. Uh, to Lane, number one, next year. Yeah. And then uh, we want Bama. We want Bama. <laughs> one even better, Colorado. Okay, there, there's a good question. There's been a lot of stuff coming out since Prime took over at Colorado. Shadour, I believe is how you say his first name. I don't want to botch that. Sorry, Coach Prime. Um, he's going to be the starting quarterback there. Where do, you, where do you realistically see this football team this year, this Colorado team, a team coming off of a 1-11 and season? 
they're so bad right now. I don't believe anybody, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, uh, Dabo Sweeney, anybody's going to come in there and turn this team around immediately. Although, although going back to Tulane again, they were two and ten last year. It shows you what a good coaching staff and what believing in what your coach is telling you can do for you. So I believe Colorado will be a much improved football team, but let's just temper our expectations for for Coach Prime here. See, I'm, I'm going to take an opposite stance. I'm going to say in the top twenty-five. Really, you're buying so. in already. I'm buying I'm, in. I think I think with people, with uh, his coaching, you know, his personality, I think he's got to get some recruits. They're going to get the transfer portal and come over. I think they got shot. I well, heard. I don't think they're going to win at all. I think they'll get the top three. I heard this argument on a podcast or something. You've got Nick Saban, and you've got Deion Sanders. Okay. You know, these guys like to visit these prospects at their homes and their hometowns. You, as a former football player, you've got Nick Saban coming to visit you. You've got Deion Sanders. You know these guys' personalities. You know who's going to attract more players. In today's day and age, it's going to be Deion Sanders, 100%. In this day and age where younger people's attention spans are less than what they used to be. You look at Nick Saban and you see the national championships, you see the players that are put into the NFL. Then you see Coach Prime, the excitement. He's a player's coach. Um, he's going to be there. He's going to he's going to be there coaching you himself. It's, you know, Nick Saban has a very divided up, I guess, hierarchy of, of his coaching staff where he doesn't mingle with anybody except the defensive backs, you know. But you, you these young guys uh, are definitely going to be more attracted to Dion, and, and you can't blame them. I mean, the guy's as exciting as anybody. He was exciting when he played. He was exciting when he, when he was uh, uh, an announcer or a, a commentator. He's just an exciting guy, and you want to feel – if you want to fill your life with that – that type of emotions you can't blame these kids for going well, and look what he did at jackson state you know yeah yeah it, it, i mean that that speaks for itself his resume is 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 getting up there i mean this Absolutely. we got to start talking about this guy's as, as a great coach oh you know he's got the flash matthew he brings the swagger everywhere he goes so with as much money that's floating around in these nil deals and the ncaa now you got to think a guy like that has to be some kind of super attractor for these these five-star talents that i mean where my question is where is he going to be getting is there that much talent in the state of colorado and where is he going to be getting his talent from that's that's the thing i don't think it matters about colorado anymore you know it used to be you know when virginia tech is a prime example when they were in their reign many moons ago they only recruited from the 757 you know that was their pipeline so to speak tidewater yeah things have changed now you know with the nil deals and everything you can i think so to speak, the everywhere, just like I think it was Gage or Alex that said it, you know, there, nothing is off limits anymore, which is why I don't think it necessarily matters where these big name coaches like Prime are going to. It's just a matter of can that face, can, so to speak, can that rein people in? Can that rein in the talent? And I think, you know, Prime is the first, which 
of many. I think who uh, Ed Reed is now a coach as Ed well. Yep. He, well, he, he looks good as he a does. coach. He, does. Yeah. he looks just like his Hall of Fame. I, know, I, I love it. it. I love but my, it. my next question to do with college football is continuing on with the coaching. <laughs> you see guys like Ryan Day, like Luke Fickle, like um, even Matt Rule uh, at this point, Coach Prime. Lane Kiffin, these younger guys, you see this wave moving into the NFL, these young, extremely smart coaches, and it seems more than their intelligence, their football IQ in college, it's almost like you're bringing in these guys for for these young men to buy into. It's more of a culture thing in college football, right? So somebody with that flash and somebody with that swagger, somebody – like I think Mike McDaniels would be a fantastic college football coach. So how much how much of the, the, the culture goes into bringing in these 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 Division One prospects, these five-star recruits, which – Mario Cristobal is another one. Why is Mario Cristobal able to get so much talent? Have you seen this recruiting class for Miami? It's top five. Now, I know we, we win the recruiting national championship every year. We don't ever do shit with it. But something's different about this year. And is it the culture that these young coaches bring to these to these programs? Uh, that that has everything to do with it. It's 2023 now. It's a different world. Recruiting started to change with the – the online, um, the online uh, camps and all that that they done. I mean, you heard these older coaches complaining about that they didn't like it. Well, you got to get on board with it now. You have to be a player's coach. That's what these guys are looking for. Yes, you got the you got the natties down in Alabama. You got you have these great programs. But if you're not willing to give these kids that extra oomph of you know rah rah rah, let's go. They're not going to come. And, you know, it is what it is. It's just 2023. It's recruiting in college football in 2023. Well, with the talent, you know, brag on you guys for a second, the talent that you had on the defensive line in high school and the talent that we all had, Matthew, you had, Gage, you had so many different levels. If camps would have been around when like these seven on seven camps and these quarterback camps that Peyton Manning and all these guys, these tied in camps, you got to think the opportunity has the level of opportunity has definitely risen since we've been in high school. These kids have every opportunity in the world now to get out and prove themselves. Well, not only that, but you got to think how much easier is it to find these camps? You know, we grew up in a time when Google wasn't really a thing. Right. You know, nowadays, you want to find a football camp? Go Google it. You can go wherever you need to go to get one. No social media. Right. Yeah. And social media has not only changed the world. As a whole, I mean, you know, college football is not immune to that. It's also changed that, and these kids are going to look for that thing that that makes them excited for football. And so, who, who do you see as the most improved team? Talk about a couple, you know, different squads. Who's the most improved team for twenty twenty three? You like Miami, Colorado, Tulane. Nebraska, <laughs> Tulane. You riding that Tulane. green wave? Hey, they, they're they're going to sponsor this show. I'm telling you, I love Tulane. Oh, Matthew, what do you think? Who's going to be the most improved team being uh, ran by a new coach this season? I mean, honestly, it, 
Colorado. <laughs> you know, I mean, I mean, I, I feel like I don't want to beat a dead horse here, but I mean, Coach Prime, man, I'm riding it. Alex is riding the green wave. I'm I'm riding the Coach Prime wave. <laughs> uh, Nebraska should be better. Nebraska made a mistake when they when they left the Big Ten, um, or the 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 the. Yeah, the Big 12. I'm sorry, not the Big 10. The Big 12. Uh, I mean, I think that there's um, – with with um, Rule coming in there, it's – it's they're going to be improved, but I just don't see the talent there. But they're going to be a more improved football team. He was not a bad college coach. He honestly. wasn't. He's he's done a lot with, with what he's been given. We so. talked about – we listened to him say – I think he was on the Today Show or something after he got fired. He's going to be making a shitload of money no matter what he's doing. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't even have to have a job. I don't know if you know this or not, Gage, but the former coach of the Carolina Panthers, Matt Rule, they fired him. He had signed this massive contract. Still have what four years left on it, something like that, which was guaranteed money. So he's going to go home and sit on his ass and make something like forty-two million dollars a year or something like that. Not do his job. Although we could all be so lucky. (laughs) But that that about wraps up our college football segment here. Um, I believe let's let's ride right on into our new favorite segment with our new favorite guy in the world. This is sparring with Gage. Uh, so uh, this week on Sparring with Gage, we're going to discuss a uh, issue I'm very passionate about, and that's fighter pay. So in the UFC, the minimum wage is ten to thirty thousand dollars for a entry level fighter, right? So mid tier goes up to eighty to two hundred fifty thousand. Top tier is five hundred thousand to three million dollars. That sounds like a lot, but here's the deal: so minimum wage in NFL is seven hundred and five thousand dollars. NBA. $955,258, MLB, $700,000, NHL, $750,000. All right. NBA and NFL pay their athletes 50% of total revenue, while the UFC only pays 16 to 20%. Wow. That's insane. That's yeah. insane. That's that's theft. Oh, for sure. And that, and I'm not, even, I'm not even getting started. So let's take this uh, – this, Entry level fighter who's making ten thousand dollars to fight, so he gets ten thousand to show, ten thousand to win. All right, so let's look at what goes in to this fighter's money, or rather, what comes out. Okay, so between five to ten percent of that money goes to the gym they fight out of the team, right? Twenty percent goes to management fees because honestly, you're not gonna make a special fighter without having some representation, right? 30% goes to taxes because they're taxed as a contractor. And then around $2,500 goes to coaching fees, medicals, etc. Okay, so we'll take this fighter. We'll say he wins. All right, he wins $20,000. $2,000 of that goes to the gym. $4,000 goes to management. $6,000 goes to Uncle Sam. $500 goes to medicals. That can run higher. $800 before the work is not in common. $1,000 goes to coaching fees and $1,000 in miscellaneous fees. All right. Your total expenses is at $14,500. So your take home is $5,500 per win, eleven or $1,500 per loss. It's a, it's a crime. This is highway robbery. Oh, yeah. It's insanity. So on top of that, on top of that uh, I don't know if you guys heard of a job tax. Job tax means you have to file taxes for every state you compete in. So if I live in Virginia. Of course you do. And I fight in Tennessee, I'm paying taxes in both states, okay? And on top of that, if you fight abroad, say Brazil, 
27% goes to Brazil. Oh That's before you get any take home up front. This is this is a crime. Oh, for sure. Now you could argue. I got a few numbers jotted down here. I know you were wanting to talk about this. The, the one difference in 2021, these are the 2021 numbers. The UFC grossed $1 billion. The NFL grossed $11 billion. Now, how much of that does does go into – but you got to think, what I'm getting at is the UFC is still making this insane amount of money. These guys should be make, making way, way more. Oh, for sure. And you look at the – but that still, 50% total revenue goes to their players. Right. 16 to 20 goes to UFC fighters. Even yeah. with that you know, skewed percentage-wise, still way underpaid. Well, let, let me ask you this, too. This is something to think about. Also, these are 2021 numbers. In 2021, Conor McGregor was the number one highest-paid athlete listed on Forbes for this year. He made $180 million total. Okay, now how much of that do you think he actually made from fighting? Well, right here, I've got it wrote down. Um, McGregor 2021 was the highest paid fighter. Uh, he made $10,022,000 before his pay-per-view bonuses. So if that gives you a rundown, what, what else goes into that pay scale? I'm assuming the $10 million he made here was just from his fights. The purses uh, from the fights, I'm assuming. Oh. Well, you get, you get a certain percentage, and there are, you get your money up front, you get your money to win, and then once you get to a certain level, you get pay-per-view points. Right, and we don't know how much that actually That is. all depends on how many people watch, right, how many people yes. buy the fight. Yeah. So I'm curious how much of that percentage that is the pay-per-view points that they get, what percent of – because the fights are, what, $75 a fight? On yeah, the SPN yeah, it's about seventy-five. Yeah, so and I believe there's a pay raise or uh, pay increase, not pay increase, price increase coming this year as well. Yeah. What the, what do these fighters do? Do they you, you look at the NFLPA um, or you look at the MLB uh, Players Association? <laughs> these guys seem to have more of a willingness to band together, especially in the MLB, and say no. We are not going to stand for this. We are going to demand higher pay. We're going to demand this or that. Why are these fighters not doing this in the UFC? Because fighters aren't willing to band together and say, hey, we're not going to do this. They're just not. Is it a, is it a mentality that goes in with being a fighter? I've sure. born alone. I die alone. I'm, this is me. Is well, that it, it's more like, hey, uh, you know, there's no set path into the FC. There's a set path in the NFL in right. every other sport. You know, you play high school, you play college, you get drafted. Sometimes shorty, you know, basketball, whatever. But with the FC, it's there's no certainties. You fight, you go to pro shows, you can fight your entire life in pro shows and never make the FC, right? So you make it to the FC, you get the shit pay. You say, I'm not fighting. Well, that's fine. We got this other guy that'll do it for you, or, you know, for us. Right. Right. So there, there's nobody's willing to stand up and say, hey, we're ready. And they tried before, they tried to eat us. But they won't stick to it. So, some numbers that I've got here, Gage, is um, once again, these are 2021 numbers. Um, it says the average fighter in 2021 made $160,022. And let me just say that is the average, not the median. Right. Averages are skewed by outliers. And you look at Conor McGregor, who made $22 million versus Poirier, how much does that skew that average? 
Oh, it, it does. It's not, it's not, it's these numbers. When you hear these things, you think, oh, well, I, that's more than I make, but it's the average guy, the average Joe Blow fighter's not making that. Let me ask you this I've got right here 256 total fighters in the UFC, which is 42% are in six figures, while 116 fighters, which is 19% of all the fighters, made less than the average U.S. income, which is $25,000. So, who, who are these guys, and is that a reason why they're not willing to band together? Let, let me add something to that as an interesting figure. In the M- MLB, there were 14 players last year that made $30 million or more. There was 52 players in the MLB made more than $20 million. Well, my, my, my thought on that will lead into a question for you, Gage, is the thing about the MLB and uh, most other sports, right, is – well, not necessarily the MLB, but the NFL, and and they have a salary cap, right? So you can only spend a certain amount of money, right? So you spread your money out. The MLB doesn't have a salary cap, so they can they can. Los Angeles can give how much ever money to Mike Trout for him to play nine games a season, right? So where does this money when it break down the sponsorships, Gage, and what how much certain like the bigger companies are putting into these fights and how much of the fighter pay comes from the sponsorships and maybe even personal sponsorships. No, I, I can't speak to all that, but I can, you, you talk about sponsorships and this is what I've got to say about that. So prior to 2015, fighters, you get their own sponsors. At this point, you could sell a spot in your shorts. Most of the time it was around between five to $15,000, depending on what caliber of fighter you were. Per fight. You, exactly. Yeah. And you'd have a, a fighter banner, you know, behind you, you remember the old fights you had yeah. all the logo yeah. behind it, right? Yeah. Well, right before 2015, the UFC started instituting a uh, sponsor tax that was $50,000 a year to be able to get your sponsorship into the UFC, okay? <laughs> then in 2015, the UFC signed a deal with Reebok. Reebok is now their official apparel, their official apparel, right? Not even on them, but at the time it was Reebok. Okay, so at that point, Fighters could not wear any patches on their shorts. Fighter banners were banned. You had to wear Reebok in all fight week events, all the sponsored events, and in the cage. Nothing else was allowed. Okay. Now, that deal made the UFC $80 million in six years. <laughs> now, the money the fighters got, if you had one to three fights in the UFC, uh, sorry, this is minimum pay. Uh, not the Reebok pay. So this is actually updated. Now, new Venom bill for 21 to 3 fights, we get $4,000. 4 to 5 fights, you get $4,500. 6 to 10 fights, you get $6,000. 11 to 15 fights, you get $11,000. 16 to 20 fights, $16,000. And if you had over 20 fights, you get $21,000. If you're a title challenger, $32,000. And if you're a champion, you get $42,000. This is for the amount of work that goes into this for these guys. You know, we're all proponents, I think, of these college athletes getting paid. And the reason we wanted them to get paid is because these companies, NCAA, the UFC, whoever you're talking about, they're making unbelievable amounts of money off of these athletes. And then, when you, on top of that, when you hinder their sponsorships, this is a this is a crime. I, I I don't I don't understand. I mean, is this is this Dana White? 
or is this the UFC, this mentality that they have in the upper upper levels of management in the UFC? Who are making these decisions? It, it, and it makes me wonder the same thing. We asked it last week, and I know you said you don't know for a fact, but is there other people in this head office other than Dana White? I mean, obviously he has a team around him that helps him through his day-to-day, but is there a certain company, right, like Caesar? Uh, the in, in Vegas, do they have their hands in the UFC? I mean, you got to think a, a, a company do. that's worth that much that is a main sponsor for these fights. They got to have some Vegas, kind of thing, right? Well, the parent company is actually called Endeavor Holdings Group. Just FYI, that's the parent company to the that's UFC. That's the parent company of CS. That's like a phony, company. That's a phony company, so these rich people can can hide their actual <laughs> profits. I mean, it. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's um, you look at you look around at these other sports, and and if if Dana White and the the people that are big into the UFC, if they're continuing to want this thing to grow and reach that upper echelon of sport sports like the NFL, like the NBA, they have to start taking care of their their athletes because that's they're nothing without these athletes. You're nothing without these exciting fighters out there. So people go and pay $7,500 per fight. You have to take care of these guys. Oh, yeah. And yeah, that's the thing. Dana White wants the UFC to be an official sport, a legitimate sport. But kids don't grow up, for the most part, going, I want to be a UFC fighter. No, I won't play. But reason being is because what's the main reason kids want to grow up be a ball player? The money. money. The fame. A lot, of, a lot of kids want to get themselves out of poverty, whatever the situation might be. But the UFC fighter—that's not going to get you out of poverty. So and you look at these, when you look at this number, the average UFC fighter compensation, hundred six thousand dollars. All right, that sounds fine on the face. If you or I were making that money, be good money. Yeah. Except our jobs aren't limited by how long we can do it. You know, good my point. job doesn't stop whenever I get in my thirties. I can get to my job by the time I'm fifty. It's not a retirement plan. UFC fighter doesn't have that. At the most, you got to what, 38, 48 to lucky to make it. Now, on top of that, are you going to be competing at that level of competition the whole time? No. I mean, you look at players like Cowboy Cerrone, made great money, but you know, even somebody like we talked about him last time, Luke Rockhold, we watched his last fight. Did he ever Did he ever uh, fight for a title? Was he ever to that level? And the, the reason I'm asking that is these guys who never get to that point where they are fighting for a title, how do they survive? I mean, because you talk about the different levels. I, I think you said the mid-range was what, like $65,000 base pay, something like that? Uh, yes, the mid-range is between eighty and two hundred fifty thousand dollars So when you say mid-range, obviously the highest level of pay are, are the title fights, the championship contenders. When you when you look at like a mid-level fight, what does that what does that entail? What type of fighters are we talking about? Uh, you know, it didn't really specify, although by the way, Rockhold was the middleweight champion at one point. Okay. Um, I imagine a middleweight or a uh, a mid-tier fighter would be somebody that's probably in the top 10 and off top five, yeah. Okay, so you look at somebody, the, the next question I have, um, starting from, you know, the early stages getting into this, what what is the price of somebody who's fighting amateur fights like you were to get into that? I know you said you had your own nutritionist and all this, so all that's coming out of your pocket already, right? Oh, yeah. Well, and, you know, I was lucky enough to be able to get sponsorships. My nutritionist was done through a sponsorship. If not, 
that, that would have cost me five hundred dollars up front. Okay, so you got your nutritionist who, without the blessing of having a sponsorship for that, the child world logos on the back of my shirt and my shorts. So I had the ability to give safe buyers and I had that ability. You got your nutritionist from the average UFC bike camp will cost you around twenty five hundred dollars. You know, because you got train partners you got bring in, you got special diet, my diet, whenever I was fighting, easily ran around two hundred dollars a week, which as, As a family, family doesn't sound bad. You're, you're, you're feeding an individual that's quite a bit right, you know, especially as a single man in his early 20s. Yeah. But, uh, you know, you got uh, GMPs, training gear, supplements, you know, anybody's ever taken supplements to go to the gym, those like protein powders and $100 for a, a tank container that might last 10 months. I mean, you got all these things that add up. And then, you know, on, on top of that, uh, the UFC does not offer insurance, or insurance only covers you if you get hurt in the fight or because of training for a scheduled out of that. You're on your own Well, it seems like you know, you, you got the Players Association in the NFL, right? That which is basically a player's union, right? That that seems like. The only way, because you got to think, Dana White's a money man. That's that's all he cares. Obviously, he loves the sport, um, but he's a money man. When it comes down to it, that's what he's there for, and he makes a shitload of it. But you got to think if these guys could just figure figure it out, just come together, make a players a fighters union, that would make the most sense here, wouldn't it? You would get more out of it. I think a lot of the fighters, there's just so much pride, and they're. I don't I don't know how to word this correctly, but they're just so prideful. I don't feel like they they don't want to let anyone know that that's how they feel. There's not a willingness from the fighters to band together. Yeah. I mean, and and that's the only way out of this that I see. And especially if you're a young person trying to get into this sport, even if you have all the talent in the world, if you don't have the finances to back that, and you can't for whatever reason get the sponsorship, like you said, you were able to. You're really, you know, you have one arm tied behind your back trying to break into this sport. I think that uh, said something that kind of caught my ear. It's like, you know, Dana White goes for the young people, right, in the fights. So, um, yeah, they're you're still young. They're fresh. They got a long ways to go before they're even close to retiring, unless there's something freak ac- accident or something. What if he's not going for the older people? Maybe they're still talented and got some, you know, juice left in them, but they're a lot wiser. They might. The older you are, the, they might want to band together and call something. But young people, they're pretty naive. They want to just get in there and just get go. their money as quick as they can. Yeah, it's a shame you have to get so many fights under your belt before you get that wisdom to to step up and step up for yourself. In my opinion, the only thing that's going to happen since obviously a fighter union's not anywhere in the immediate future is hopefully competition. You know, you got other companies coming up, Bellator. PFL, 1FC, hopefully these companies can cause a competitive enough market to drive up you know, the, the wages for these fighters. Matthew, you've been quiet for a minute. What do you, got to, what do you think about all this? So I'm, I'm thinking uh, from a couple de- different theoretical standpoints of how uh, a players' union or a fighters' union uh, in this situation could form. Um, but I don't the, – the big difference – like like we keep saying between the NFL and the UFC is the NFL you know you do have different entities besides the face uh, Roger Goodell that allows and kind of uh, allows the players union the NFL players association to form I don't see that happening 
in the UFC. And please, Gage or Corey, someone that's more experienced, feel feel free to step into what I'm saying here. But I, I feel like there will be no UFC fighters union, so to speak, because at the end of the day, it's A, start this union, B, try to start this union and lose my job because of Dana White. Oh, 100%. Matthew, you might need to take this case. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and for the record, Dana Watt's yearly salary is $20 million. He has a uh, net worth of $500 million. It's like Roger Goodell, right? Roger Goodell makes, what, $47 million a private jet. And I don't, I don't hold it against anybody for making their money. But if you're wanting, if you if your biggest thing is the legitimacy of this sport, you, you got to take put, care of how to take care of the what makes who, the money. Yeah, yeah. that's who's paying that twenty million dollar salary, right? I mean, are these fighters? So. Well, let me tell you another fun little fact. Uh, if you have the all right, the UFC will cover a flight and a hotel room for you and one coach. Okay, but the average UFC fighter takes with him at least two coaches, one training partner. You have to pay for the flight and hotel room for the other two people out of your own pocket. So if you were to go to Brazil, for instance, that's fifteen hundred dollars for an airplane, airplane ticket, and then plus the hotel room out of your pocket. This is like the the athletics and baseball. They're not not. They won't even get their players Gatorade. So they have the players have to bring their own drinks. There's they're still playing Moneyball. <laughs> yeah, that's true, yeah. So so let's just take that guy who made twenty thousand dollars off that win, right? Let's, Let's say he had that fight in Brazil. He lost fifty two hundred dollars up front. Okay, just for fighting in Brazil, just because he was in Brazil. All right. Let's say he had to uh, take two teammates with him. Right. That's fifteen hundred dollars airline ticket. That's three thousand dollars airline ticket. So let's say he got a really cheap hotel for two hundred dollars. Not gonna happen. Let's just say he did. All right. So that's what thirty two hundred dollars right there plus the fifty two hundred out of his. Total take on uh, $55 million. What negative are we at right now? My God. Yeah. <laughs> Get your ass kicked and lose money. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's well, that was for a win. win. Imagine if you lost. Yeah. Now, the average, not average, but a lot of times, the ranked fighters can fight at five times a year. Okay. So, we're the numbers on it. Average fighters can fight at five times a year. Okay. So, we're the numbers on it. Average fight camp is about eight weeks. Okay. So, five fights would be 40 weeks in camp. So, that's. 40 out of 52 weeks in a year, you're in a fight camp. Not the healthiest thing ever, but let's move on. Uh, with the expenses mentioned, uh, your take home will be about $27,500 over five fights. Now, with the venom, uh, fighter is going to pay that appreciate $48,500, but after taxes, we're looking at $42,200. So is there any extra incentive and, and explain to me how these fight contracts work when, when, when they build these cards, right. For like UFC 282 coming up, whenever it is, was there any kind of extra incentive in these contracts and kind of break down what goes into when you sign a fight contract? Uh, well, so the UFC will sign a fighter contract and say, hey, we'll pay you this much money to show, this much money to win over this many years and this or this many fights, right? So they can increase that. They can't decrease it, but they can increase it if they want to. Uh, but they can also drop you at any point whenever they want because it's all in the UFC's hands. You know, if I don't like the fight, you're gone. You lose twice, you're gone. But you can't leave. You're in contract. So if you don't like the money you're getting, Oh, shit, you're fighting a contract out for you anywhere else. So all the powers with the UFC, 
Now, there are performance bonuses. If you get five money, both people involved in five money, get $50,000 performance bonus. If you get like a non-code or submission, which is just called performance bonus now, it's also $50,000. But that's, you know, not, that's not going to be my name whatsoever. So my question is, next question is, do these fighters have agents that represent them like, like other athletes do oh, yeah. to sign these contracts? So what is it basically the UFC saying, I, I guess, why couldn't a, an agent throw in some kind of stipulation if, if we're all the power, all the powers with the, so UFC, UFC, the contract, UFC, they, they make the rules. Look at Francis Ngannou. I mean, the man's uh, fought out of his contract and is in you know, argument with UFC. The UFC has all the power, even with their heavyweight champion, they still have all the power. Uh, so my next question, which will lead us into more here, what major changes would you make to the UFC today? Considering all of this knowledge that we have just on the way that they're paid, what are the major changes you would make as a, as a massive fighting fan, a former fighter? Uh, to me, I think for one, insurance is a must. Uh, I think it's inexcusable to have a job that's as dangerous as that and not have health insurance. No reason whatsoever. Let me interrupt you for just one second. I'm sorry, I just thought of another question. Do does the UFC supply um, medical staff during these fights? During the fights, yes. Okay, so the, the fighters don't have to bring their own doctors and things. No, like no, there's a fight doctor there. Okay, and there's also a cut man. He'll take care of between rounds. That way, you know, if you're cut and bleeding, he can try and make it. Or he can yeah, make it the next round. Yeah, okay. okay. Uh, but I would also make it where the fighters get more revenue. I mean, it's not necessarily going to be evenly distributed. You're not going to pay your champion the same amount you pay somebody who just got here. But I feel like if you increase that to the 50% that we see in these other major sports, you can afford to pay everybody else a little bit more. And your argument with UFC is they say all of this money goes into this marketing. But all these other sports do marketing just fine, and they don't do pay-per-view either. Think about it. If you're not even in the top 15, we'll say, a fight uh, in any weight class, um, if you make like sixteen fifty an hour, it's like $30,000. I feel like someone that's not in the top 15 should be making more money than I'm making. So I feel like the base salary for someone not in the top 15 uh, should be, you know, 50, at least $50,000. I think there's no reason that a entry-level fighter shouldn't be making at least six figures, honestly. You're a professional athlete. There's no reason a professional athlete in any sport, especially one as violent as this, should pay less than six figures. It's, it's entertainment. I mean, you have to pay if you want to continue to entertain the people that consume your product. You have to pay the people that, that – they make it. Well, and the thing is, they say, all you got to work your way up. But you have literally worked your way up to get to the Exactly. You got to work your way to get to the UFC. There is no way to get paid from there. There's no sim like collegiate. You're not training to, I mean, you're training on your own. This is all you. Yeah, even going back to this 50 thing. So maybe they could work a contract. It's like three to five fights a year or less. Uh, but you have to fight it out. But maybe that contract, whether it be um, the year or maybe a year and a half or whatever, um, 50000 or Or let's say the contract's three to five fights in a year. Fight three, you get 50000 You fight five, you get hundred or eighty-five. If you're under the top 15, but top 15 or higher, you know, like whatever your level is, 
you know, it keeps going up, champion keeps going up, you know. So uh, I'm I'm not sure if we have these numbers right on hand or not, but I'm curious how much Bellator makes compared to the UFC. They probably still make quite a bit. That's what I'm saying. And we see like at, like what Amazon Prime done getting Thursday night games alone, how much they spent just to get those games. Why couldn't other streaming services i mean is it is it because of the ufc doesn't want anybody else in there to get it because you got to think a company like apple tv or netflix or hulu any of these people paramount that have live tv options they they could probably give a pretty good sum of money to have and be able to maybe get more money into these fighters pockets with with being able to show these fights well the ufc has their own streaming service called uh, ufc fight pass okay so, I got a question a for. <laughs> I have a question hey, for Gage. Yeah, uh, they've been kind and of Dana Dana this. Campbell too. So, uh, you know, he um, he's making even more money that we don't know about. Sorry, so, Matthew. Corey couldn't hear you there. You're good. Matthew's got a question Sorry, for Gage. Oh no, no, it's okay. Uh, my question is, and this might be more readily available to you who did have success rather than those that didn't. But my question is, I know that you know myself. Uh, and any individual business owner, and I, I'm going somewhere with this, I promise, can write certain things off as a business expense or a tax credit. When is, let me ask, is there a Gage Stanley like LLC out there or something like that? <laughs> no, but there are definitely ways fighters can save themselves money right, yeah. from tax time. Yeah. And, and that actually brings me to the next point. I think a big change needs to be made is that the fighters should not be considered independent contractors. They need to be considered employees, yeah. which also goes to the insurance, but would help them not get taxed 30% out of their income. That's exactly where I was going, is why why are we doing this as individual contractors? When, just like I say, Gage Stanley, LLC, you know, won 10000 from this, but he has to pay 30% in taxes. Exactly. But he, you know, should be able to write off pretty easily. I had to pay for my own hotel. I had to pay for my food when I was there. I had to pay for this, 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 and this. So there should there should be a... And at that point, you can even consider your entire diet plan exactly. a part of your job, right? Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Oh, yeah. there's, there's a ton of write-offs, but at the same time, you know, 30%. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. All taxation is theft, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Right, really you know, like, what's, what's my incentive, as a, especially as a younger hire, to go fly somewhere like Brazil or another country where I'm not going to pay my taxes and their taxes? Mm-hmm. I think you that have been trying to help all that. You, I agree. you, you want, want me to go and have this big show so you can get it on the market. market. I, I need to get paid for it. at least something extra to cover the tax I'm going to pay. I agree. My next question for you, um, if you're covered all your fighter pay, um, just to get, getting into people – letting people uh, get a little more comfortable with you and your, your history and your life and things. I, a question kind of popped into my head that I wanted I to ask you. This, okay. I am too. Our birthday is two days apart. Oh, yeah. Two days. There we go. What is your most memorable moment as a fighter in all of your career? What is the one moment that sticks out to you the most? Uh, probably the first time I won a title. Uh, you know, I, I actually fought this guy before. We had a draw. I won't get into that, but uh, you know, he went for a takedown. I got a guillotine, and I remember just the second I knew that I won, and uh, it was just a surreal moment getting the, the bell wrapped around my waist. Okay, what uh, what how what how did how did you say you won again in this fight? 
It was a guillotine choke. Guillotine choke. Okay, that's that's why. What was your favorite submission? Like, what was your go-to submission? Uh, well, now it's definitely Gamora. That's my go-to now. But uh, in fighting, I didn't really have a go-to. It was just whatever presented itself. I think I don't actually think I repeated any submissions in any of my fights. All my submissions, I had one triangle choke. I think I, think I had a Gamora in there. I think I had an armor in there. There, there were several different ones. Anything with an appendage being bent scares me. I'd much rather be choked up. My arm's getting contorted. I'm like, yo, I'm out. I think my first fight was actually a uh, rear naked choke. So is there any any news you want to bring any any UFC news you want to talk about anything this is your this is your thing man you you take off uh, I didn't get a chance to watch it but I know the UFC is now actually doing uh, some grappling matches so I'm pretty excited about that I, I'm disappointed they get to watch it I think it was Friday but I do look forward to kind of checking those out in the future. Okay, so uh, what's what's going on like in the in the Bellator world? You know things that I, I don't keep up with it as much as I should. I'm definitely going to start more. Shout out to Corey. Let me use that ESPN plus. That's that's real nice. Oh uh, yeah. So what's what's going on in the Bellator world? What's 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 happening over there? Uh, I'll be honest, buddy. I haven't really caught up. Uh, it's been a crazy week at work and everything. Uh, I will say one thing real quick, going back to fighter pay. Uh, you know, uh, there's a guy named Gordon Ryan. I don't know if anybody knows who he is. Uh, really big in the jiu-jitsu world. Probably one of the greatest grapplers to ever do it. And uh, he actually said that he's always wanted to MMA, but it doesn't make sense for him because he makes more money grappling than he would. Wow. That's and, wild. Uh, the potential loss in that is uh, staggering because, like I said, this dude, is on a whole other level with his grappling, and we're really missing an opportunity to see him compete that because of, you know, the fact you're not going to take a chance to take more injuries for less money. Someone that squirmed their way into the MMA community we were talking about earlier is Jake Paul. Um, he can be a douchebag, but he's right, man. He's right about – I mean, we've all seen it with the pay and everything, even if you didn't know with what gauges – uh, given the fact, but Jake Paul is uh, he's he's right, unfortunately. <laughs> I believe, if I'm not mistaken, didn't uh, Tyron Woodley say he made more money fighting Jake Paul than he did in his entire UFC career? Because he, I mean, uh, I think the f the first time he fought, you know, a, a former UFC fighter was Ben Askren, mm -hmm. and I can't let's, remember. Let's think about that. Yeah, I don't remember <laughs> what the pay with both of them but it was a lot i remember seeing i'm like holy shit so he fought ksi too didn't he yeah that was his first one mm -hmm. uh, my, <laughs> I, I don't even know what to think i i guess my question for that is it kind of comes down to almost the integrity of the fighter right because these are just exhibition matches Right, the the Anderson Silva, the Tyron Woodley, they don't really mean anything, right? So, well, was it an expedition match? Was Ben asking an expedition? But Tyron Woodley and Anderson Silva, that was because that was an actual. They were knockouts here. Yeah. Well, I think I know Silva was not an exhibition match. Yeah, it, was, it goes on the record. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Woodley announced because I remember. Uh, I think he announced that he was actually going to be a professional boxer, so that might go on his record too. Well, I guess um, we've kind of talked a lot about 
a lot of different things in the UFC. There's a lot of great segments coming up still with Gage. Um, I love this segment. I love learning new things. I'm I'm definitely becoming a UFC fan. We gotta get together and watch some fights, boys. One hundred percent. I do absolutely. We've got the ESPN Plus. We can all pitch in, get a fight, get some wings. Not from Buffalo Wild Wings. Please God, no. <laughs> definitely not from Dude, Buffalo. You know, honestly, Wild Chili's. Uh, wings ain't bad. I was talking about Domino's last week, but Chili's Chili's it's just wings. It's, it's just wings. It's just, that's all I got. It's just Love wings. wings. Love I, wings. I do believe the next uh, fight coming up is on January the fourteenth. So maybe check okay, that out. Yeah, absolutely. We can definitely try to get together for that one. But for right now, I gotta go pee. So let's get to a break and welcome back, all you sexy mofos. We had a fantastic break. We're going to get into a little bit of the NFL with a very special edition, um, a little bit different this week, of all things Buffalo with Matthew Chapman. All right, guys. Uh, this this week with um, all things Buffalo, we're doing a, li- a little bit different in light of the, the game and the situation that just happened with number three, DeMar Hamlin. Uh, for those that don't know or that may be listening to this at a later point in time after this gets uploaded, uh, we're recording this episode right when the injury happened. Like we were getting ready to start uh, this podcast when Demar Hamlin went down. Uh, in summation of everything that's happened so far, basically at nine o'clock, uh, Demar Hamlin hit T. Higgins head-on in a hit that didn't appear to be anything at first glance, but after he tackled T. Higgins, he got up and immediately collapsed on the field. Uh, whereupon everyone crowded around him, family uh, then got with him in the ambulance. But before even getting into the ambulance with him, the medical staff had to do CPR right there on the field on the 24-year-old kid from Pittsburgh, who, by the way, has absolutely stepped up since Micah Hyde went down. For those that don't know, DeMar Hamlin has been starting ever since Micah Hyde went down with an injury and has been playing his heart out. I think as a passionate fan for Buffalo as I am, I speak for all of Buffalo when I say our thoughts and prayers are with DeMar Hamlin during this time. The game is not important right now. What matters is his health and safety, and we'll deal with everything else uh, in stages going forward. But, Damar, uh, all of Buffalo is with you. Uh, hope you are okay and just recover soon. It's a shame to see it happen to, to anybody, yet, yet alone a 24-year-old kid. I mean, he's still a kid. Yeah, whenever I've been quiet, you know, because – Things when things like that happen, it's you know it's going to happen. But when it's someone young, it, you kind of look at it as yourself or as a friend that you know. You, in that moment, with that series of things, seeing these people that are superstars break down on the field and being very upset, um, it, you you feel like you're there and you feel like you know the person, and uh, it's just unsettling. But I'm glad he's he's doing better. I just hope it continues to progress. We won't cover it too much. Um, we will give more information as we hear it. Um, as Matthew said, uh, all of Buffalo is with you, Mr. Hamlin, and all of us here at Foul Language and any football fan around the world. We are with you. We hope for a speedy recovery. Um, it's, it's terrible to see. Um, but let's move on a little bit and talk about the NFL this week. 
playoffs are coming. And there are some teams who – guys, there's some teams right now who are unbelievable, who have just turned it on. But I want to start, start this with talking about something we're going to talk about in a minute when we do our picks. But this Green Bay and Detroit game that got flexed into Sunday night this week is going to be massive. It'll be a big one. It's, it's going to be, be unbelievable. Um, Green Bay is a completely new team right now, Alex. What's you know we've seen it. We, they they beat the Dolphins. Something's going on with Aaron Rodgers. Matthew talked last week about uh, you know them growing the chemistry within the locker room, but you know this this game has a lot of. Uh, a lot of history behind it. This is a divisional game. Talk a little bit about what this game's going to mean. Well, if you – I had said earlier in the year that I thought Detroit was going to be a much improved football team. I don't think any of us really expected it to this extent. But the thing that intrigues me a lot about Green Bay right now is that the rest of this team, besides Aaron Rodgers, is really stepping up. And you look at what that Green Bay defense was able to do last week. Um, again against the Vikings, and it seems like when Aaron Rodgers is not playing up to the standard of which we have grown accustomed to him playing to, the re- other parts of this team are stepping up and making this team a contender. And I, this game is huge. And at this point, I don't, I don't know where you go picking this game. I mean. I love everything Detroit's doing. I mean, are we already willing to say that Detroit's going to win this game and they're going to step up and win the game to get into the playoffs? I mean, this is a huge moment for for Detroit. And But you, you got to like the fact that that running game steps up at points. Those receivers will step up for Green Bay at points. That defense, Jair Alexander, is phenomenal. I mean, we can't talk about that guy enough, what he done to your boy Jay Jets last week. But – you know, this, this team, this Green Bay team is coming on at the right time. And Matthew said it time again, the teams that come on late in the year and get that spark late in the year, they're the ones that, that really – I mean, we've seen the Giants do it. We've seen Cincinnati do it. Well, you know, it's it's a crazy time right now. The Green Bay defense, they're very – they're headhunters. They're hard-nosed. Like, that's a defense that – I feel like is going. They could go into the playoffs and actually make a run with them struggling through the rest of the year and through these last couple of weeks. But that defense is scary. Well, Matthew, Matthew, talk a little bit about Alex mentioned Jair Alexander. You hold the best wide receiver in the NFL to one catch, one reception, fifteen yards. That's you got some bragging rights. So talk a little bit about that Minnesota and Green Bay game, Matthew. Well, one, I have his rookie card, and I've been holding on to it for quite a while. Uh, but, you know, when, when you shut down Justin Jefferson, just like we were saying, that's a statement. You know, there's nothing else that needs to be said. There's nothing else that needs to be done. You don't need to do the gritty in his face, as, as funny as that, that was. That was so disrespectful. That was hilarious. And I, I'm glad that the NFL is kind of loose with the celebration rules for that exact reason. But uh, I think that goodbye, overrated Jalen Ramsey. Hello, heavily underrated, disregarded Jair Alexander. Welcome to superstardom. You know, it's very it's very interesting at this point to see a team like Green Bay be in the situation that they're in right now. All the speculation, all the games that they lost early on, all the, the drama and everything. 
You think Rodgers will be back next year? Yep. I don't know. I'm I'm not sold on that. I don't I don't know. We're, we're going to get you know Oh, sorry about that. I honestly I listened to Aaron Rodgers, okay, on the JRE podcast. And everything that that man said, I agree with 100%. I think that I, I bought into Aaron Rodgers after listening to that podcast. It's a very recent podcast. But basically what he says is that the NFL has to find an antagonist for every protagonist. Right now the protagonist is Tom Brady. The antagonist is Aaron Rodgers in the offseason. Will he be back? What's the drama? ESPN needs some sort of offseason storyline to run with because they can't talk about what LeBron said 10,000 times because there's no NBA season. I think Aaron Rodgers is here for another five years in Green Bay, and he's not going anywhere. And I will stay with that until I'm wrong. But what does that mean for LeBron's legacy? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I think, you know, we'll we'll get around to this again in a minute when we talk about Vegas, but there's a lot of things going on already early speculation of maybe some people on the move. Uh, We'll talk about that in a minute. What I want to talk about right now is this Thursday night game between Dallas and Tennessee. And I want to to throw out a couple of – Figures here for you. Okay, you tell me which quarterback you take, Alex. Quarterback number one, 69.2% completion rating on the year, 2,732 yards, 22 touchdowns, and 14 interceptions. Quarterback two has a 60.8% completion rating with 3,522 yards, 24 touchdowns, and 14 interceptions. Which quarterback are you taking? Mm, I would go with B. Yeah, I'd go with B. More yards, slightly less uh, accurate, but I'd go with more yards and more touchdowns. The argument here is going to be that Dak Prescott missed games, but you took Derek Carr over Dak Prescott. So Dak Prescott missed, what, three games this season? Yeah, I believe that's right. If you're getting into the, the Derek Carr thing, this is a travesty as far as I'm concerned. I've been a huge Derek Carr supporter, and, and – what they're doing to him, especially with the contract stipulations, with the injuries and everything, this is dirty. I mean, we were talking with Gage about this the way that these athletes are being treated. Well, this is an NFL athlete getting treated this way. Agreed. Right? It's, it's, not, it's not right. And, you know, I wish to a speedy recovery. I think Tua needs to retire, but I would love to see Derek Carr in some uh, aquamarines. I wouldn't complain. I wouldn't complain one bit, but I want to get back to the Cowboys here for a second. Um, when are they going to realize that Dak Prescott is not the guy here? When are they going to realize? Do you think Dak Prescott is – I mean, do you think Dak Prescott is not playing up to – I mean, they're 12-4. and four. He's thrown 14 interceptions and he hasn't played a full season. This dude is not, I, he's, he is, he's, he's Ryan Tannehill without the wide receiver experience. Wide receiver, Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> right. He, he's, he's a, a game a, manager. He's not going to win. You're, he's not going to be the reason that, he's, he's not the reason Dallas is a 12 win team. It's Tony Pollard. It's Ezekiel Elliott who is on a nine game touchdown streak, the longest in NFL history. I mean, CD Lamb, what CD Lamb's doing right now, you know, it's unbelievable. So Dallas can't win a Super Bowl with Dak Prescott. It's not going to happen. Do you think I'm wrong? I've said it 
multiple times on this podcast. The problem in Dallas, and we're talking about a 12-win team because we're all waiting for that epic <laughs> downfall. But, I mean, it's it's Mike McCarthy. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Dak is going into these games with, with one arm tied behind his back. And how they, how they managed – to put up 27 points in this game is beyond me. Mike McCarthy's not the one who's thrown 14 touchdowns this season or 14 interceptions this season. When you're consistently putting your quarterback in in these types of situations, for whatever reason, whatever philosophy that coaching staff has, how are you? How can you expect to get the full Dak Prescott? But are you a year, me, a are year you- ago, last year, a year ago? Were you not saying that Dak Prescott was playing better than anybody in the NFL? He was before the injury. He was an MVP candidate without a doubt. But you're, See, the potential's there. It is, but you're you're telling when is he? When is it going to happen? Is are you putting all of his struggles right now on Mike McCarthy? Every bit of it. When Dallas inevitably fails in the playoffs, it will be Mike McCarthy. I, I, I disagree. I, I don't like – I like Dak Prescott as a person, but Dak Prescott is not the guy that's going to win you a Super Bowl, Matthew. What do you think about it? Oh, I, I completely agree um, w- with what you're saying. However, I'm also going to play devil's advocate here and agree with both sides. I'm going to agree with Alex, too. I mean, McCarthy is doing Dak Prescott no favors. Uh, basically, or I'm, Zeke. I'm, He's not doing Zeke any favors. No, no. The, the thing is, Zeke needs to evolve into a receiving back when they go into receiving situations. He's fantastic getting the ball out in space. Zeke has lost his step to pound it up the middle, and surprisingly enough, Tony Pollard has that, plus he has the speed to do the outside zones. And who's the one person that's not differentiating the ball enough to the key players? It's not Dak Prescott. It's the design of the offense. It's Mike McCarthy. He's the one that's failing to put people in the right position to win games. Dak Prescott does them no favors by being the game manager he is. I I, I just – the way I see it here, you talk about the playmakers on this team, and Corey, you you probably agree with this. When CD Lamb's a top ten wide receiver in the NFL, top five wide receiver. Stats wise, I'm not sure exactly where he's at right now, but stats wise, he's a top ten receiver. Tony Pollard's a top ten running back. Uh, Dalton Schultz, he's so inconsistent, right? So obviously the ball is getting put in, in the playmakers' hands, and that's how you win ball games. That's why they've won twelve games, right? I disagree. I, I have a whole completely different argument here. I believe that the game plan is working, or else they wouldn't have won twelve games right now. Do you agree, Corey? Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think they all stink. It's just other than Tony Pollard and Zeke's turning it on, but um, I think McCarthy and that stink. This is a. Do you believe? Because I know you think that Sean Payton will be in Dallas next year. He will be the head coach of the Cowboys. <laughs> do you think that Sean Payton will turn Dak Prescott into a Super Bowl winning quarterback? Is Dak? Do you believe that Dak is capable of that? Let me let me answer your question in, in another way. When Drew Brees got hurt with San Diego, nobody thought that he was going to be come back and be anything close to what he was pre-entry. Without Sean Payton, Drew Brees never wins a Super Bowl. New Orleans never wins a Super Bowl. 
Sean Payton can come in and turn any quarterback, any system in the NFL, maybe besides Houston at this point, into a Super Bowl team. Sean Payton is that good. Dak Prescott, I would have no qualms with saying that Dak Prescott with Sean Payton at the helm could win a Super Bowl. By the way, just FYI, Vegas has got uh, Sean Payton most likely going to the Arizona Cardinals. Plus 250, I believe. That that was uh, that actually happened today, I believe it. Correct me if I'm wrong, it was the Cardinals. Um, it was the Cardinals. The Broncos were second. I want to say who was third? Chargers. The Chargers. The Chargers. The, the thing of it is, is what Vegas is not cons- taking into account here is the Jerry Jones effect. How the man, Jerry's pockets are. Yeah, yeah. Jerry Jones can, can do some stuff, man. And we're going to see it. Well, so, to get yeah, back to the game Thursday night, Dallas does take the win at Tennessee 29 to 13. Dak goes 29 of 41 for 282 yards, two touchdowns. Your boy, Gage Josh Dobbs. Uh, First start. Yeah, yeah, they look pretty good. It looks solid. I, I, said, I said this in the group chat. I thought Josh Dobbs went to work for NASA. <laughs> Whenever his well, run, he definitely has the brain. I mean, he, he's slinging some rockets. That's for sure. Man, he was making reads unreal. Like he was. He not only was he getting the call from the offensive coordinator and then making the post snap reads. Like I, I spent some time watching him in that game. The dude was making like Peyton Manning adjustments. Like I'll just go ahead and say it. He was seeing things that no man starting his first NFL the, game six years. You too, baby. He was seeing. You know, he was seeing. The apple fall from the tree and hit him in the head, and he was spinning out gravity and the theory of relativity. And then, you know, you're just upset because when Tua gets an apple hit on his head, he gets a concussion. Oh, 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 (laughs) that's tough. That's tough. Tua, baby, you got to come back and help me out here, man. I can't take this abuse no more. <laughs> Damn, that was a low blow. That was, that was very low. That hurt. That one cut you deep. Know, I could stay home and get that kind of abuse. <laughs> no, dude, looking on the other sideline, what's up with this Tennessee team right now, man? I mean, I know not having Derrick Henry. If I brought Derrick Henry, he's gone. Where do you think he goes? I don't know where he goes, but Buffalo. Oh, God help us wherever all. Sean goes. Yeah, wherever Sean Payton goes. I, King Henry in Nashville is no more. And it, don't be surprised if Rabel don't follow pretty soon. You saw how upset he was after the A.J. Brown trade, how upset that whole team was. He literally got Brown the GM fired because of that. And he, he, there's going to be some big changes in Nashville, and I don't think any of them are going to be for the for the better. So, with that being said, and we'll get into this next game eventually, um, but the question I have is: with Jacksonville on the rise, Matthew, are they? Are they, I mean, as bad as Indianapolis is, the Tennessee's falling apart in front of right. our eyes. You know, Houston is still five or six years away from even being anything. So, uh, this Jacksonville team, man, are they? Uh, they are in the driver's seat of this division. I, I mean, I've I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Doug Peterson is a fantastic head coach. You know, it's it's not often you go from winning Super Bowl to getting fired to having a, a twelve and two season or whatever, like the Eagles are with Sirianni. That's a one in a million, but. 
getting back to Doug Peterson, he's a fantastic head coach. He's a players coach. He's a nice guy. He doesn't kick kickers. He serves players <laughs> ice cream after games. Doug Peterson is here to stay and run that division. Trevor Lawrence is going to keep getting better. ETN's going to keep getting better. They're going to draft a receiver. I am not surprised if they they don't have a big man receiver. I'm not surprised if they don't go Quentin Johnson in the draft. Well, you look, Robert Woods. Um, Sorry, I, I think I confused myself here. I'm, I'm gonna get back to Jacksonville for a second. Um, you played yourself. I did. <laughs> no, we're talking about Jacksonville here. Uh, I want I want to give you all some stats again. You looked at Trevor Lawrence last year. Statistically, he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL last year. And I just want to talk about this improvement. Right now, he's got a 60 on the season, 66.5% completion rating, 3,901 yards, 24 touchdowns, and eight interceptions. He threw, what, 22 interceptions last year? It was something unbelievable. This, you put this on Doug Peterson. Right. right. This, this is absolutely this is the one change. I mean, you got a healthy ETN. Obviously, Christian Kirk, he wasn't probably worth that money, but Christian Kirk has been unreal for this offense. And you think about it when Calvin Ridley comes in next year, this is a different offense. Yeah. I, the thing about it is, and we talked about this with Green Bay too, other parts of this team are stepping up when one part is down or somebody's injured. It, this is just a fantastically coached team. And Trevor Lawrence, ETN, they're reaping the benefits of it. And I think the sky's the limit for him. But going, I would like to say, you know, bouncing off of Jacksonville here, but staying at the quarterback position, somebody that I'm man enough, I'm man enough to admit I was wrong about, Daniel Jones might be a franchise quarterback. Hey, the Giants clinch a playoff berth for the first time since 2016. You heard Saquon talks about how much he loves this guy and how much he means. Brian Dable, or we're talking about coach connections with their quarterbacks here. Uh, and Matthew, you know, you know firsthand. <laughs> I called it. Brian Dable is a hell of a head coach, and I haven't always been as quick to judge Daniel Jones, maybe, as you have. But the dude is a, is a damn good quarterback. I mean, he's got a lot of places that he can grow, and he's he's got a lot of maturing, I think, to do. But the dude's fast as shit. He's so fast. And, and we know, listening to the Pat McAfee show, that apparently if you bet the over on rushing yards, Daniel Jones always hits the over. Always. Hey, you got you to gotta hand it to him. I mean, the, Jet, or the Giants are right there, and, and – Daniel Jones, I, I was wrong about you, man. I mean, come on the show and cuss me out. I mean, I'll chase you around. You know? So, so let's talk a little bit about this New Orleans and Philadelphia game. Uh, New Orleans takes the win 20 to 10. Yeah, um, it was it was surprising. The biggest thing I took away from this game was that New Orleans had six sacks against this fantastic offensive line, best offensive line in football. That was a that was a crazy stat that just jumped out to me when I was looking overall at this game. Still, with the the I mean Gardner Minshew. I mean, we love we love Gardner Minshew here. I think we all do, but he's not Jalen Hurts. And the thing about it is, is somebody had said anybody could play quarterback with this Philadelphia offense and, and win. Well, that's not maybe necessarily true. So they need to get Hurts back. And 
this this game was it was kind of a weird game to kind watch. Of a boring game. Yeah, it was almost. kind of a boring game. I, I still I'm not a, I'm not a fan of Taysom Hill. He always takes away from Alvin Kamara in fantasy, but it wasn't it wasn't the most exciting game. It, I think we all knew that there was going to be some fall off from the Hurts injury, and we saw it in this game. Corey, you look at it. This Philadelphia offense still played pretty decent. I mean, Gardner Minshew had decent numbers. Devontae Smith went over a hundred yards again, um, but. Going back to Jalen Hurts for a minute, does this help his MVP campaign? Does it uh, does it does it help him at all? You think? Uh, I don't think it helps, but I don't think it hurts either. He's I feel like he's kind of stagnant. You know what I mean? Um, I still think he's a top three candidate, if not the first candidate. But yeah, I think it's just stagnant as as of, excuse me as of now. What did you take away from this game, Matthew? I, I wanted with every, everything in me, um, for Minshew to be as good as he was. But man, it's just Minshew mania is still around. I, I I wish Jalen Hurts would have stayed. And dang it, I was wanting him to be the MVP. But it doesn't look like that's the thing anymore. Do you think is there enough quarterback talent in this draft, Alex? Should people be looking at Gardner Minshew, maybe? Houston, maybe Indianapolis. You know, there's going to be other quarterbacks on the move, obviously. But do you think Gardner Minshew draws some attention this offseason? No. I I don't think Gardner Minshew is a QB1. I think you could have a lot worse backup quarterbacks than Gardner Minshew. We all love him here, like I said, but I just – I don't think the overall talent's there. And there's a huge difference from these 32 guys that start, with the exception of maybe Davis Mills. He's – you know, he's – that neck is something to be proud of. But, uh, I mean, I mean, but, you know, 32 other guys, Gardner Minshew's not going to take one of their jobs away. I don't know how I feel about Philadelphia right now. Um, it, will Jalen Hurts be back this week? Yeah, I would say have a massive game. I think, I think they're I think they're taking it easy with him. That's why he hasn't played. And they had they had enough wins in the win column to, to for that luxury to be able to take it easy with his recovery. So well moving on to a game, uh Gage, I know is gonna make you happy. Um Brady's seven ringed asshole over here. Um this Tampa and Carolina game was an absolute barn burner. And why does it make me so happy to see Tom Brady play like he did Sunday? It was can, can I just say that I do have the best fantasy name? Without a doubt, yeah. Without a doubt. <laughs> but no, no, but Alex, what do you what do you think about this? What do you think about Mike Evans' historic day and Tom Brady playing like he's twenty five years old again? Well, it was it was really something, and I was thinking about Gage the entire time I was watching that game, because I just knew he was smiling. You know, I just knew he was smiling. And from a pure fantasy standpoint, very few players have ever frustrated me as much as Mike Evans has. But wouldn't you have hated to have been that guy to be like, you know what, fuck Mike Evans, I'm not starting him this week. And then about halfway through that game, he's already he's already won like 200 yards, going, and I. And man, I fucked up on this one. I Can see, I just say that Tom Brady has done that to me quite a bit? Yeah. <laughs> well, being that Tom Brady and Kyler Murray have been your two quarterbacks. They have both fucked me so hard this year. 
But I'm hoping Trevor Lawrence will save me next year. So Brady went. Brady went for 432 yards and three touchdowns. Is there anybody better in a must-win than Tom Brady? No. Do you bet most, against Tom Brady? He's the most clutch quarterback that's ever played the game of football. There's no question about it. I seen I seen a throw that Tom Brady made. One of the touchdown passes to Mike Evans. It was the most perfect pass I believe I have ever seen in my life. And this dude is 45 years old still. I mean, I, you, you hear people talk about it every time they talk about Tom Brady, his age and how long he's been doing it. But it's really a spectacle watching this guy do what he can do 23 years later. It's unbelievable. You know, I w- Go ahead. Sir. Go ahead, Gage. I was going to say, you know, I will say there have been quarterbacks that have done it for longer, but I don't think there's ever been a quarterback that has done what Brady has done as long as he has the level he has done in that. No, no. he's the longest, the 20, what's 23 seasons, right? 20. He spent, we were talking about it before, he spent more time now in the NFL than he has out of it in his right, life. So. Right. It's unbelievable. You look at Mike Evans' 10 receptions for 207 yards and three touchdowns. It was it was an unbelievable day. The Tampa was firing. And I want to talk about this, Matthew. It's Tom Brady in the playoffs. What is going to happen? It, the The pinnacle of what you think will happen will happen. It's Tom Brady. It doesn't matter the age. I think he's got a new girlfriend now, so he's probably, you know, he's hyped up. He's ready to go. Hanging out with Darren Waller's girlfriend. Yeah, he's not not worrying about Giselle anymore. It's Tom at his peak prime. New girlfriend, same Tom. He's going to the Super Bowl. Hide your women. (laughs) Do you think that uh, Tampa Bay has been sandbagging this year? Because, like, if you watch other games, there's – games they've not scored but three points and it they were they're running around like they don't know what the fuck's going on and then all think, of a sudden they pop out a 400 plus yard passing game like i think this is what a tom brady who's getting laid plays like hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah look i think the problem in tampa this season has been todd bowles thinks he was going to come in there and and operate that system and that is not Todd Bowles' offense to run. That is Tom Brady's offense. And I think what you're seeing now is a product of Todd Bowles realizing, hey, I got to let my guy cook here. I'm going to lose my job. Yeah, I agree. And maybe there was a little bit of a learning curve for everybody when the, the coaching change happened. And if they're coming on at the right time, this is the guy you want at the helm. Without a doubt. TB12. Without a doubt. Moving on from that game, we'll talk a little bit, Matthew, about the Denver at Kansas City. This was a wild game. Russ finally has a decent game. He finally cooked. <laughs> he always he, he's he's been cooking, but he's left it too long on the stove. He decided <laughs> now's the time to take it off. He was ready to go. But I want to talk about like st- statistics and trends here for a second. When we did our weekly pickums. I almost chose the Broncos over Kansas City, but I was like, and I'm pretty sure that's recorded on the last podcast of me saying that too. I was like, but it's this year's Broncos, so it doesn't matter. Go back and look at like the last four years of the Kansas City and the Broncos. Kansas City always loses to Denver, and I don't know why. It doesn't matter if it's home or away, if Walmart owns the team or great value or whatever, but (laughs) that might be Kansas City's one weakness is Denver. I mean, wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it's and it's crazy. You know, where did this come from? And 
is it ironic that it happened on the tail end of Nathaniel Hackett being fired? I think that was, I, I mean, I don't know the guy. All I can tell you is his output from what I see on TV, and he definitely had a decision-making problem, and that's just something you can't really get better at. Honestly, and if you're uh, like a very low testosterone type of man, <laughs> no, you, you look, you know, as I said, Russ had his first really good game, you can consider it uh, 26 to 38, 222 yards, a touchdown, an interception, but he also had two rushing touchdowns in this game, which is something we haven't seen from him all season. But looking, looking at the Kansas City side of the ball, um. Mahomes said, and I want to talk about this for a minute, Alex. Mahomes said in his post-game interview that late in the game he lost his mechanics, and it it he said that when that happens to him, he struggles, and he knows when it happens. So this is something weird. I've never heard any quarterback talk about this before. Yeah, I don't, uh, that was that was kind of weird for me too. It's something I've never really heard of. Maybe it's the equivalent of losing focus, but I still think that with this Kansas City team, it's the Tyree Kill effect. So, well, you, you got a guy like Jarek McKinnon stepping up, who's been unbelievable over the past couple weeks. Travis Kelsey's still doing Travis Kelsey stuff. I said last week that this Kansas City team is probably the best, or I said they were the best team in football, and I still believe that. I, I just feel like things are falling apart in the AFC, right? And you look at a team like the Chargers who are starting to get hot. I mean, Justin Herbert is playing out of his mind right now. So in that division with the Chargers locking a playoff spot, the Chiefs' struggles, are they going to be too much for them to overcome, or it's still Patrick Mahomes, right? Yeah, it's still Patrick Mahomes, and he's still a proven winner, and this guy's going to going to keep them in, in the playoff, in the Super Bowl contention no matter what. So it's still Patrick Mahomes. Speaking of Mahomes, you see a video with him and Henry Winkler? No, I didn't. Oh, it was, it was a very special video. You should check it out. Okay, I love Henry Winkler. Was, was Henry Winkler covered in bees? Covered in bees. <laughs> No, apparently they're having dinner together. Okay, Matthew, talk a little bit about this Commanders game. I know you were in person in this one, and I believe that the Commanders are probably regretting starting Carson Wentz a little bit at this point. (laughs) Yeah, you you know, I don't understand the Wentz uh, starting to begin with. Heineke was playing fantastic with a subpar offensive scheme and subpar offensive talent they've got Jahan Dotson and Scary Terry and Brian Robinson but that line is absolutely atrocious and I I can say that firsthand Uh, oddly enough side note um, before the game they were introducing the the hogs you know the 1990s Washington Redskins leaders that were they were known as one of the best offensive linemen of all time and then they come out and they have one of the worst offensive linemen games I've ever seen, period. I, that's that's what's wrong with this team. Carson Wentz did them absolutely no favors. He had some decision-making issues for sure. The, t- the interceptions he threw was every single time into double coverage, every single time. And it was like he made his first read and then that was that. But I will say I'll defend him a little bit, but not a lot of it. That line is atrocious, and they, they need to make some changes this offseason. Maybe 
maybe that's somewhere where they bring in a guy like Gardner Minshew. I don't know. That might be – I don't see them taking a quarterback this offseason. I think they roll with Heineke, right? Yeah, I, Dude, Heineke, I didn't know this, but Heineke's getting up there in age. He's old, He's – 30? I think he's going to turn 30. He's been in the league for six or seven years, I'm pretty nine. sure. Nine. Nine. Wow, that's crazy. He's been there that long. That's yeah, insane, man. ain't it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's wild, but, you know, this – talk a little bit. You sent me the Snapchat video of the crowd you were around giving the Heineke check. How was that? that? That's a weird situation to be in. you got to think that felt weird. Man, it was loud too. That video did it no justice, or maybe it did. I don't know if you could hear it pretty clearly. Could you hear it clearly? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Dude, it was loud when I was there. And by the time I knew to get my phone out and start recording, because that was his third interception, and every <laughs> single time it got louder with each interception. <laughs> well, we had a little bit of a mishap. Alex had to step out of the studio for the rest of the show. Um, so let's scroll over these last couple games here, and let's get to our picks, and let's get out of here. Talk a little bit, Corey, about this 49ers and Raiders game. Um, this was a hell of a game. Uh, <laughs> Jarrett Stedham comes in in, in light of the, the Derrick Henry bench, and, and Kyle plays pretty damn good. I mean, he was 23 of 34, 365 yards through three touchdowns. He did throw the two interceptions, but and and the 49ers come out victorious with a three point win here, 37 34. Yeah, it still surprises me though. With um, I figured they would have held them to a lower score because I've been hot on their defense. But um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I don't know who's going to stop the 49ers right now. Christian McCaffrey is still him. Christian oh, yeah. McCaffrey is unbelievable. He had 19 carries, over 120 yards, six receptions for 72 yards. This guy does everything, Matthew. It's it's unreal. I, he, I, I don't understand how, where, when, and why the man hasn't been injured yet, honestly. Like, yeah, he had his injury problems in Carolina, and that's why I believe they got rid of him. But I, I tell you what. The dude's coming on right now. He seems to be playing good and playing healthy, and it's the perfect time. He's in chemistry and coordination with the rest of the 49ers. There's no reason why they don't make a Super Bowl run. That's kind of like uh, the whole Saquon Barkley scenario, too. It's He's injury-prone, but he's not been injured this year, and McCaffrey's not been injured, and you can see the difference that they've made for both of those teams because imagine what the uh, Giants would look like without – Barkley. Right, absolutely. We talked about Daniel Jones' struggles up to this point with that, too. So, you got that team is really coming together. And it, it's the same thing here with San Francisco. You know, Brock Purdy might be the quarterback of the future there, in all honesty. It's possible. Um, like, who knows when Trey Lance comes back what that, that ordeal is going to be like. Do they make them have like a quarterback battle during the training camps and off season and preseason, and then they decide like game one, you know, the regular season? Or how are they going to go about that? Hey, it's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, Brock Purdy is getting some heat. Congratulations on selling your card, by thank the you, way. Thank Not you. That, that made me happy. Good chunk of change <laughs> for that one. Well, guys, let's let's wrap this thing up here. Let's do our picks and let's get out of this piece. We're going to start here. Um, Corey, we'll start with you. Matthew, we will end with you. Uh, we're going to start here on Saturday, January 7th. Tennessee travels down to Jacksonville to take on the leaders in that division. Corey? 
I think uh, this is this is Jacksonville's time. They're going to make a little run. Honestly, I think they could win a playoff game. I, I want to see what the the, the, the games are going to be like before I make that you know decision. But uh, I've got Jacksonville in this 31-17. I agree. i got Jacksonville 28-14. Yeah, that, I'll roll with everyone else. Jacksonville's going to win this one. I think they're going to put up a little bit more points at 42, but Jacksonville. I agree. Jacksonville will continue to roll. I got them winning this one 31-10. to 10. Um, We're, we're going to go – Matthew, talk a little bit about this Buffalo and New England game. Um, I know the – Situation's a little bit weird with this game being suspended tonight, but uh, looking forward ahead of this divisional matchup. Yeah, uh, I, it's going to be a game won and lost in the trenches. Uh, we're, we're getting into late – well, excuse me, we're getting into mid-January now. Uh, I believe the game is – is it in – oh, it's in Buffalo. I, I, this is going to be a game It's going to be all about James Cook, Devin Singletary – Set up the run, check it deep. Uh, I've got Buffalo. Uh, are we doing the pick, the, the scores yeah, right now for it? All right, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and take Buffalo on that 35-17. I think this one will be a little bit lower, um, but more um, on Buffalo's end here on uh, the win here. Smash Mouth Football, 21-7 Buffalo. Uh, I've got Buffalo as well, 28-21. Yeah, I've got Buffalo winning this one pretty easy. I still think the Patriots suck. Uh, Buffalo <laughs> Buffalo wins this one, 24-3, pretty easy win. Uh, the Jets traveling down to Miami to take on a struggling Dolphins team, Corey. I'm still around the Miami train. I'm waiting for them to win in December, but uh, I got them. I, the Jets are still not going to score a touchdown in this game. Twenty or Excuse me, 17-6 Miami. I've got Miami 35-28. Yeah, I mean, the eventual downfall of Mike White is all but here now. Um, I've I've definitely got Miami winning this one 31-17. As a Dolphins fan, I don't want to be that guy, but um, things aren't looking good for Miami right now. Mike White's back. I think Mike White will be the starter of the New York Jets next year the jets are going to travel down to miami just to ruin the dolphins playoff hopes the jets are going to win this one 17 to 14 next game big game the giants traveling down to philly to take on that philly crowd and a philadelphia team coming off two losses gotta win to win that division Corey, the giants are going to do it I think this defense is going to play tough. It's going to this is going to be another smash mouth football game. Seventeen ten Giants. I think the Eagles are going to bounce back. Twenty eight twenty one. I'm I'm going to go with the Giants here. I'm starting to be a little impartial towards the Giants because Dayball did come from Buffalo, but I, I've got the Giants here. Twenty eight twenty one. I am taking Philadelphia here for the simple fact Jalen Hurts will be back. He's going to prove that he is the majority of the reason why Philadelphia is where they are right now. Not taking anything away from the rest of that team. Philadelphia rolls pretty easy here. I'm taking Philadelphia 35-17. Next game, another same division game. Dallas travels up to D.C. to visit Matthew and take on the Washington Commanders. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think this is going to be much of a game. Uh, 34-17, Dallas. Uh, 35-14, Dallas. Yeah, I've got Dallas 42 to 21 here. I, 
I wish more for my quote-unquote hometown team, but that's about that. I just hope that Ron Rivera knows that he's actually at a football game this week. Uh, (laughs) So I'm going to take Dallas in this one. Dallas continues to shine here. Uh, Dallas will take this one 35-10. to Last game we're going to talk about here is my favorite game of the week. Detroit taking on their division rivals in Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers has a lot to prove. Jared Goff is playing like a stud. Corey, how do you see this one playing out? I think uh, I was saying earlier, Green Bay's defense, uh, they're tough. That's a team you don't want to play late right now. But I got Detroit in this one. I think they're going to come and they're going to come to play and Green Bay's going to fall off a little bit. 24-20 Detroit. I've got Green Bay in a close game, 28-21. Yeah, I'm going Green Bay here, 31-21. I really want to see a Rodgers versus Tom Brady showdown in the playoffs, man. I've I've got Green Bay winning this. Who do you think would win? In the oh man, uh, both teams are sparking at the right time, like I always say. But I think the spark is a little bit brighter in Green Bay. I can't argue with that one bit. I think the moment just gets too big right now for Dan Campbell and Jared Goff. So I think Green Bay takes this win at home, and they're going to make the playoffs. And Devontae Adams is coming back next year, and he's bringing Darren Waller with him. So Green Bay's going to win this Wait, game. What? You heard me. You heard Devontae me. Adams back to Devontae Green Bay? Adams is coming back next year. He's bringing Darren Waller with him, and Green Bay is going to win two more Super Bowls before Aaron Rodgers oh, retires. Oh. And it's starting with this game right here. Green Bay wins 35-17. to 17. I kind of hope that happens. So you think this is all because of the Derek Carr situation? 100%. Man, what a heartbreak. That I is. It's a shame. It's a shame. We will get more into this next week on the Foul Language Podcast. We appreciate you guys so much. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to check us out on our social medias. Go ahead. And a real quick shout out to Raul. Raul. Who's Raul? Who's Raul? He's a buddy, man. Pennsylvania. Okay. Shout out, Raul. We love you, Raul. Um, This has been the Foul Language Podcast.